It is the birth of the 42nd millennium, and there is only war. For over 10,000 years, the Emperor has reigned over the Imperium of Man, a vast empire of humanity across countless worlds. His armies, led by the reborn Primarch Rebute Gilliman, conquer and battle across the vastness of space in defence of his empire against mankind's greatest enemies, the alien and the forces of chaos that seek to obliterate humanity and usher in an era of eternal darkness upon the galaxy. Yet even greater dangers threaten the Imperium from within. Mutation, heresy, alien influence and demonic possession risk the corruption and destruction of mankind. It is against these threats that the Inquisition wages an unceasing secret war. This is a war fought as much with hearts and minds as with guns and blades. It is a war that must be fought without mercy, without end. It must be fought in the dark, forgotten places of the galaxy where the light of the Emperor is but a dim flicker and the shadows of the forces that oppose him gather and grow strong. If the fight is lost, the Emperor, mankind's saviour and protector, will be doomed. This is the battle for the Emperor's soul. Welcome to episode 11 of Angelcast with me, Adam Cunis. Me, Mike Ackroyd. Me, George Newbold. Me, Alex Lay. And me, Rob Feldman. We are going to do a whole episode this time on Inquisitor, the battle for the Emperor's soul, uh, which you might know not what that is, uh, so we'll fill you in as we go on. If you've listened to earlier episodes, you will have heard uh, from both myself and Alex about our warbands um, of Inquisitor Vey and Eradicator Lars Herman. We've also spoken to George about his kind of plans for the Heart of Petrograd campaign. Um, and day of, we finally have in the flesh um, both Mike, hello Mike, hi, and uh, Rob, who I'll talk to in a bit. Um, so, Mike, it would be great for our listeners if they're going to be listening to the kind of story of the weekend, the Heart of Petrograd. Who is your Inquisitor and what are they doing? Uh, so my Inquisitor is called Piotr Makalor, uh, and he is a bit of a rehash of an of a Inquisitor that we used to have when we played this game years and years and years ago. Sure. Uh, and I've, I've moved on this timeline quite a bit as well. So I, I guess the summary of him would probably be he's a bit of a far future prepper in that he basically is assuming that the Imperium is a bit doomed. I mean, we can all see it's a bit doomed, but he actually has figured that out. Yeah. Um, and is trying to gather all the various artifacts and, and treasures of mankind together um, so that they can, they can be saved, so that some piece of humanity can survive the end of the Imperium. Obviously, that's pretty heretical, and so he is um, excommunicate Tratoris, so the Inquisitor title is a bit uh, out of date, as is all of his credentials, which, which comes up a bit in the, yeah. the games we play. Yeah, you likened it to have bringing your paper driving license along, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and the rest of the warband, um, so he used to have a sister of battle when, uh, when he was a normal, a, a normal Inquisitor back yeah, in the day. Yeah, uh, Sister Sophia. Sister Sophia. Um, that, having moved the timeline along, it's, it's pretty hard to believe that a sister of battle would have stuck by as this kind of uh, change in mindset has happened. So, and a lot of time has passed. And a lot of time has passed, in hundreds of years. Um, and also, yeah, normal humans don't live that long. Uh, he, by the way, has kept himself alive through means, chemical, 
means nefarious uh, and not altogether natural. Sure. Uh, and um, and so what to do with Sister Sophia? So the um, the character that, that I've, I've got here is is basically that. Uh, when the Adeptus Sororitas abandoned him, he was already pretty old and doddery at the time, and so a Corsair family, uh, basically a pirate family, figured out that they could uh, get an opportunity to join his warband by masquerading as a, a sister of battle. So they they got hold of the armor, they got hold of the of the kit, and it's um, pretty rusty by this it's point. Pre- it's right? pretty rusty. It's, it's knackered old sister of battle equipment. Like it doesn't pass muster with actual Imperial soldiers. Um, yeah, you know, with but, the kind of the rites and the cleaning and the yeah, blessings and yeah. the holy oils and the generally not yeah. just having rusty gear. Yeah, and they basically put one daughter of each of each generation in this armour and send them along with Macalor. The ultimate aim being that this man is fabulously wealthy, as you would be if he had hundreds of years to accumulate money. Yeah, and um, like complete power, and as we have with Inquisitorial. Um, uh, he's, he's got he's got artefacts from... from well, I've written them as basically from the present day, so he's got like X caliber and he's got Dirty Harry's gun and that like stuff yeah. that they don't really understand what they have. Um, and so they're, they're basically after the inheritance. So they're staying with him as, as the last, <laughs> as the last kind of human contact that he's, that he's got. Um, and the idea is that when when he dies in a hail of bullets, they'll be there and, and be on the deathbed. So the Lariat Corsairs want to be the the heirs to Macalor's yeah, fortune. They, and they, they do. They, they they want the money and they want the precious artifacts. Do they want to be heirs to all of the heresy as well, or are they less aware of that? Not really. I think they're they're more in the kind of just piratical yeah. in it for themselves. They don't really care about good versus evil, evil versus chaos. Are there imperial doubloons? I know there's imperial credits. <laughs> There should be. And, yeah. And there will be. And he probably has some, if there are any. It, he will have some, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the last character I have is is called Flipnit, and he's a servitor. Um, and character-wise, it's pretty simple. A life ward servitor, robotic, that that basically will act to defend Macalor unless he's uh, given specific verbal orders to do something different. Even then, he'll follow those in the most literal and painful way possible. Um, very low speed, very lumbering, um, has one weapon which is a massive chain axe and nothing ranged, yep. but is also a big tank. And so he, he's actually quite fun to play with because he, yeah, he, will, he will do funny stuff, like he will, he will run and jump and climb trees if given the orders to go get something, but also sure. he will run through a wall or he will throw someone off him halfway across the board if they're trying to stop him getting to the thing that he's supposed to be getting to. Um, and so you've got the combination works quite well. Macalor, who has really advanced kit, but is, is he falls like a weapon himself, pretty kit. frail. Yeah. Has, yeah, like no toughness, no strength, whatever. And this idiot creature um, <laughs> that is, is also very strong and Blunt very hard to kill. So they kind of work together. Between them, they make a make a single useful character, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's and that's then Sophia, the who's a person, and Sophia, who's a person, so she's quite um, quite neutral in the middle, but has a heavy weapon, has a heavy weapon, has a heavy bolter, um, which is a very OP gun in uh, in Inquisitor, but also a bit too OP because it's a bit like the guy in in Lockstock with the Bren gun, who yeah. isn't actually very useful with it because Inquisitor takes place generally across areas that are supposed to be like the size of a large building, yeah, and 
heavy bolters are meant to be fired across a mile of battlefield. Yeah, you shoot it so, from a tank at another tank. So what happens more often than not is that she just flattens the wall behind someone rather than actually hitting that person. Yeah, uh, which which provides out of yeah, give you the same so, net result. Yeah. Masonry falling on your head is yeah, as bad exactly. as being shot with a bolter. Exactly. So it's, it's hopefully a bit of a, a bit of a comic relief type warband, but also with some some good dark character arcs in there. Yeah, and it's kind of very 40k, isn't it? Because it is the comic relief warband, but it's also the most horrendous and horrendous. Like, I, obviously I've played with and against Macalor in the past in his 54 mil incarnation as opposed to 28. Um, he's not a good person in any way. Like, he's so far gone that, like, the term yeah. good is, like, so alien. Like, not all of his actions are driven by, driven by kind of personal preservation. Yeah. Um, and to you know, to extend humanity is only probably so that he can harvest the parts of others to continue his own immortality. Pretty much, yeah. He's, he's become so obsessed with with keeping himself going, probably in his head to continue the work, but also just to keep himself going. That's the story he's told himself, but, at least. Yeah, that's the story he's told himself. But but yeah, like you say, he will he'll he'll leave his he, well, he's left most of his friends, and that's why he had his warband is made up of a servitor and an imposter. And yeah. So he, He's, yeah, he's alienated pretty much everyone, everything uh, in this pursuit to try and to try and keep going, and when and playing someone who's that excessively old as well is is quite fun because you you go past the normal old tropes of oh he walks quite slowly and oh he's a bit doddery to like you do lose your grip on reality completely essentially yeah. and, and like it's yeah it, it provides it provides some, some entertainment and some, and some mixing up to like you can do almost anything with a character like that. Yeah, it's pretty open up, isn't it? Uh, freed from the shackles of actually having a proper mission. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whoever his boss was died of old age 500 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. All right. Well, um, I'm looking to looking forward to finding out what Macalor's exploits are this time round. I would be amazed if he doesn't make it through this campaign. Because I've seen him deal with some shit in the past. Uh, so thanks for that, mate. Um, so I'm joined this time by none other than Rob Fellman. Hi, Adam. Hi, Rob. Um, Rob is, uh, I guess, well, I haven't edited this together yet, but in my head, the final person that we're introducing. So I guess I've decided I'm putting Mike first. Um, Rob, you also have an Inquisitor Warband, and you're the last player who hasn't talked about that. So That's right. who is your Inquisitor and why? Great. So um, I will introduce you then to Inquisitor Executioner Oswald Tyburn. Uh, the name actually, Tyburn, uh, I think it was, was it called the Tyburn Cross or something? North okay. London, where people yeah. got executed. That's cool. where the name comes from. Uh, so Tyburn... And a bit sorry. grim. <laughs> yeah, very grim, very grim. He's not the nicest person, uh, as I hope you'll come to see. Uh, so yes, yeah, so he began his career uh, with the Officio Perfectus. He was a cadet commissar. Okay. Um, as a young man, uh, he was very ruthless. Um, executing as is want for commissars to do, lots yes. of deserters, criminals, and heretics. Good. So that's his main sort of modus operandi. Yeah. Um, he was moved between uh, like lots of different um, imperial host forces because he was a bit unpopular. Um, so uh, basically, his his sort of infamy came to a head uh, when he was observed essentially enjoying the act of killing a little bit too much. Oh no. Thanks, Alex. Sorry, just for the sake of the recording, I'm, I'm just doing a coffee run, so don't mind me. Yes, for your headcanon, this definitely isn't been recorded on Sunday after all the games, and we definitely don't have lots of coffee. Enough mental yeah, capacity yeah. This, left. This is, this is now, not tomorrow. 
Um, so he likes killing people. He does indeed. And yes. he's good at it, apparently. He is very good at it, as we have seen from uh, some dice rolling that hopefully will become... In the apparent. future. In the future, yes, using absolutely. Our, using our crystal coffee glasses. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he basically, he self-proclaimed himself as Inquisitor Executioner. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he spent many, many years uh, in the employ of the Ordo Hereticus. Uh, yeah. N- not entirely sure who he actually works for uh, at the moment. Or whether okay. He's just... Just enacting his own personal justice. So he particularly really, likes killing like witches and absolutely know, heretics yeah. and that kind of yeah. Thing. Okay. I'm fairly indiscriminate, really. I yeah. think when it comes to killing and taking heads. And he's got a big sword. He does have a very big sword. Yes. Yeah, compensating. Yes, somewhat. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. Um, and the sword has a name. It does. Uh, the sword is called Terminus. Great. Uh, that is essentially because the model because uh, it hits like a bus. It, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The model is actually just taken from the, uh, is it the Primaris Judiciar? Yeah, the, from the Indomitus set. That's the one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the sword just has Terminus etched into it, so that was... Uh, um, yeah, and for once, when I say this, it's not something that we then forget to do. There are pictures of this warband on Twitter. Correct. Uh, so you can go to at AngelCastAOS and the pictures are already there, so I'm confident in saying that this time. Um, he's got some mates, or at least some employees. He does have some mates, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm not sure how he isn't making friends but he does have some employees for sure uh, so one of those is uh, we've got the retired enforcer mm-hmm. uh, nicknamed tombstone quinn yep uh, so he was a professional um professional enforcer necromundan yep. born okay um and basically is sort of a long line of uh, a family of palanite enforcers um but uh so I basically modelled him on on a, some Vansar parts, yeah. so that hence the Necromundan connection. It kind of gives a bit of a reason. Yeah, he's got for the that. good kit that they don't sell exactly. off world. Yeah. yeah, that he's probably raided and taken as stash. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, however, went a little bit crazy in his later years. Oh, so there dear. are some fun sort of potential things that happen there, where if he gets shot at, he he has oh, the right. potential for and that's being played I think as a role on the hallucinogen table mm. yeah, which probably right. probably won't come up again now that we've mentioned it <laughs> and um, <laughs> you got one more member of your warband yeah so we've got Ava Wildheart nicknamed the crow ah yes because she's dressed like a she crow she is precisely dressed like a crow yeah um, so for those that know, that's one of the Warcry Corpse Cabal miniatures mm-hmm. and was kind of the basis for that one as well. Isn't the Crow a Brandon Lee movie about a dude who's yeah. yep. similarly dressed in a gothic way and yeah, yeah. Yes. died? So there's another, another accidental connection for you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Great film. Uh, yeah, so she's got a fairly distinctive appearance. Um, yeah. She's a silent predator uh, from a feral world. Yep. Uh, she's a tracker. But it yeah. makes it a little bit tricky at times because she can track people, but she's not very good then at relaying information back to the rest of the warbands. Not so. big on words. No, not really, but very good at shooting at things. Yeah, so kind of like sees something, shoots it to alert everyone. Pretty much, reasons. yeah. yeah. Good in this sort of circumstance, probably unhelpful if you're looking for a restaurant. Well, from, yeah. a, from an archetype point of view, it's more of a, almost like a ranger, right? Yeah. Rather than a scout, more like a... Yeah, like yeah. a commando ranger type sort of tracker then can take it on. Yeah, I've, I've, I've sort of called her a bounty hunter, but she's, oh, yeah, she's based sense. more on the like the Desperado um, yeah, profiles in the, the Gunslingers. Yeah, that's the one, yeah, the Gunslingers, yeah. 
Nice. Yes, yeah, um, between the two. So that that's our final warband. Um, they're also coming to uh, Petrograd to Vakos. Uh, to deal with the kind of rumours that we have. Uh, Tybun and his retinue are um, going to be teaming up with Inquisitor Herman well, while that alliance lasts yeah. um, in order to track down um, the uh, the asset that sent a message out into the ether for the ears and attention of Inquisitor Salarath, um, who I thought died a thousand years ago, but maybe George will elaborate on that at some point, uh, possibly the next time we meet up. Now... Rob has, however, taken the role-playing step of uh, Inquisitor to its logical conclusion. We were about to say, too, say. too far, then, weren't you? I wasn't. You take it but, too far. You know, Bring it in, Rob. Maybe Bring you think that it's too far, and you can measure that on here to see what response that was. Yeah, I, I didn't know whether to share this with you at first, Adam, because mm. I did think maybe you would... Uh, take I mean, I, I wouldn't bother because I'm lazy, but I appreciate how cool it is. Yeah, so basically, uh, I, I just wanted a way to try and, uh, uh, well, initially to help me kind of think through the different um, personalities of the characters, to make sure that I was making decisions on behalf of the characters and what they might do. Yeah. So I, I started off actually by reading, it was a, like an article about um, NPCs in computer games. Okay. Um, and how they kind of program their different personality choices and things like that. So I ended up looking at a couple of different things. There's a Hofstede's Dimensions of Culture, for anyone who's interested. Fantastic. Sure and post a link up to that. De Young's Facets. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm no um, sort of sociologist, so I have no idea whether I've used these correctly. But basically, uh, it's a load of different kind of personality traits that I've attached scores and, and grades to for each of the characters. Um, and it, it, you know, it has been quite useful in games because there are moments where perhaps I would say, I think the character would behave in this way, but then I look at the chart and it says, you know, this character is actually more impulsive than I am being at that moment in time. So it kind of helps you to, uh, yeah. to make slightly different decisions. And remembering listeners that in Inquisitor, you declare what your character is going to attempt to do before finding out what you actually manage to do within the kind of window of time yeah. that the turn takes place in. So it can be quite difficult to narrow down what your objective would be. So that's actually really helpful. Yeah, yeah, it's been quite fun to use. Um, I feel like as you get to know your characters, it's probably not something you becomes less refer to as much. But you might come to a binary point where you're like, I'm not right. actually sure what the answer is in this situation. Precisely, yeah. And it's a really important thing when you've got multiple characters, because of course it's not Necromunda, it's not Kill Team, it's not 40k. Your objective isn't necessarily stand on this point for five turns, go right. and kill that thing. Um, although, of course, we have more granular scoring in those games than we used to, so there might be some slightly more narrative and in inverted commas things to do in a competitive sense. This matrix will really tell you kind of what each person would do, uh, rather than you being like, well, I want to win, so I'm going to kill the thing, because winning is a kind of abstract concept in this game. It's also yeah. difficult to not game the order of your actions as well, right? Yes, it can be. Like, because you think about, oh, logically, I would concentrate, then cast my power, then do this, because that's the most efficient. Sure, whereas in fact it might be, oh, God, I've been surprised, I need to unleash this power in an emotional burst. I think there's also a tendency to want to protect your characters because you like them and you don't want them to die. Yeah. For for example, on this chart, there is a a rating for how excitement-seeking they are. So maybe if you're you're thinking, well, I'm going to protect them, you're like, well, actually, they're going to run in and... Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's probably fun. not going to be any excitement in Petrograd. We're just yeah, we're just yeah. meeting up with an asset who's got some information. It's inherently not an exciting city, I guess, but it's, it's you uh, know it's just going to be you know some, some factories, probably some conversations, 
maybe a bit of kind of typing that we need to do. Red light districts on a forge world means something very different. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, so it will, we, there won't be much excitement at all, so yeah. that'll, be, that'll be fine. Um, so I think that's super interesting. And you were saying something that's applied into kind of computer game NPCs as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think it's nice to kind of take that and bring it back into where those computer games sprang exactly from. Exactly, where they kind of came from. Pen yeah. and paper or physical miniature uh, role-playing games, which is what we have coming up next. So um, we are going to launch into the heart of Petrograd um, and um, we'll be bringing you um, all of the action not quite as it happens. Um, and if you want a visual guide to uh, follow along with at home, uh, if you go to the at AngelCast AOS uh, Twitter, um, Alex and I have somewhat exhausted ourselves this weekend taking a lot of photographs and tweeting them more or less in chronological order yeah. um, over the three games um, that we have played. Uh, we're speaking just now on Sunday. Um, so... We're going to do a rundown of the scenarios uh, as they come and what happens in the story to the four warbands and the uh, the denizens and citizens of Petrograd itself. Um, so you can have a look at that visually too after this. Welcome back, Inquisitor. You hold in your hands the first in a new series of enlightened tomes, or you would do if you were holding this book, but I'm going to explain to you what Inquisitor is. Um, it's a guide to one of the many dark areas of the galaxy that merits the attention of the Holy Orders of the Emperor's Inquisition. Inquisitor is unlike most other Games Workshop games in that it is a narrative war game. Whilst Inquisitor players have objectives to achieve, the main aim is to use the rules and miniatures to create characters and a story. If you attempt to play Inquisitor from a competitive standpoint, you will find much of the enjoyment of the play of playing the game will be lost. So you've got a games master, the GM, uh, he's both the narrator and an impartial referee who helps ensure that the games run smoothly and creates the scenarios for the players to take part in. The GM is the ultimate arbiter of the campaign weekend and their decisions are final and George has kindly put that in bold. So there you are. That's how Inquisitor works. Welcome back. Um, so we're going to be running through the scenarios now. We've got three missions this weekend uh, for our various inquisitorial agents to contend with. Um, in mission one, uh, vis uh, Inquisitors Tyburn and Herman, uh, captained by myself and Rob, um, have teamed up to track down and interrogate Engine Seer Octavia Mechadens. Um, now, however, unbeknownst to us, uh, other Inquisitors, Maclaw and Inquisitor Vey, uh -huh. are here to extract the asset. I'm just going to give you a bit of background as to what Vakos means. You know, this is the heart of Petrograd, is the campaign. And Vakos is the political, residential, and economic hub of Petrograd, a vast hive city of over 50 billion souls. I mean, these planets are ridiculous. Um, tendrils of the city stretch deep into the planet where the richest mineral sources are to be found. I mean, if we read this, that would be helpful. Uh, the, the Megalopolis takes advantage of a vast, naturally occurring honeycomb network of catacombs, tunnels, and vaulted chambers that extend throughout the planet's hollow crust. So I'm sure this is all going to happen at street level. Ruled over by their Mechanicus masters, Vakos's people toil ceaselessly to extract the planet's mineral-rich oil, uh, ores and fuels for processing in enormous blast furnaces to be put to use uh, in one of the great forges and power plants of the Adeptus Mechanicus or transport to the Vakos spaceport for dispatch across the Imperium. 
Um, so um, yeah, we're going to run through uh, the game kind of blow by blow as it happened. Uh, and as I said, you can follow along on Twitter. Um, I'm going to pin game one, I think, and then you can find game two with your eyes and your scrolling. Yeah, sure. Um, so um, Alex, I think your your character's kind of got some of the first actions within. So yeah, what I've got here. They seem to have the highest initiative, so they seem to be going very start. So um, it, it all started with. Um, they and Vidco, uh, the, the, the major spirologists accompanying Vey completely through an illusion of convenience on this hypothesis surrounding Brendak, uh, they were just in a service tunnel, like a corridor, Yeah. Um, confronted with a couple of doors. So really their first turns were about Vey kind of pushing off in front and then Vidco running some bio scans to see if she could um, give them a little bit more intel because we knew that Macalor was in the area, but also it, it more that we did we knew you guys were coming. Yes, which of course we didn't. Um, well, we knew we were coming. We didn't know that you knew that we were coming. We didn't know we were there at all. Mm. Uh, or that you existed. Exactly. <laughs> so I tried to make sure that was actually RPing the whole uh, and lean into the whole like I don't know what's behind the door vibe rather than yeah. the kind of god complex that you get from being at the sat at the table edge. So, yeah. yeah. So I mean, we just kind of strolled up. A board edge. Yep. Uh, we as we basically knew that the asset wasn't behind us, so we moved forwards. Yes. Um, and uh, it's kind of dark and smoky in Vakos, industrial hive city that it is, megalopolis, uh, which I will not get tired of saying. I think. Um, so Lars Herman, practical man that he was, turned on the floodlights on his black backpack, yep. which obviously immediately alerted Macalor to our presence, and also sadly well, more or less blinded. Uh, is older Danforth who was wearing her night vision goggles so she kind of cursed and wandered off around the corner to find her own path um, yeah so that was like kind of a thanks boss uh, kind of a moment uh, it was but also she invert uh, inadvertently ended up wandering the correct way it seems in terms of yeah she seemed quite blessed in that that sense uh, just going for a walk with her faithful dog and oh look here's the objective <laughs> yeah um, yeah, so um, Isolde basically went round the corner. She is supposed to be a scout and uh, runs into um, someone over there. Yeah, so by this point, uh, Vidco's bioscan had revealed that there are other life forms in the area, but there wasn't a lot of specificity around it. The primary RP reason being that we, we actually did pick up the asset on the scan, but because there's very little biological material left to a mechanical operative, it wasn't clear what that was. Yeah, that was. So Vey's pushed through the door and um, uh, and immediately been uh, confronted by um, uh, Isolde. Isolde? Yeah. Uh, who's gone, oh hello, you appear to be a mechanicum operative, are you the person I'm looking for? Yeah, uh, more or less, without holding a gun, goes, oh hi friends, yeah. I'm up for somebody who's a bit made of metal. Um, they not really knowing what to do because he's got a massive Inquisition eye stamped on his chest, put his hand on his bolt pistol and asked her to leave. Yes, um, which she didn't immediately. Um, Macalor, kind of out of the blue, out of the darkness, shouts, is there anybody there? Um, which is responded by... Uh, engine seer Octavia Mechadens, who is a tech priest of the Adeptus Mechanicus, who's long operated as an inquisitorial agent, providing key information uh, for the Holy Orders um, uh, and, and what's been going on with the actions of the Red 
priesthood, which is presumably some kind of Mechanicus super baddie. Probably. Probably. We don't know at this juncture. Um, so in kind of zeros and ones and a bit of kind of grating metallic voice, um, Octavia shouts out, who are you and what do you want? Um, in the direction, it has to be said, of Inquisitors Tyburn and, uh, well, Eradicator Herman, who at least has the common decency to turn off the floodlight yeah. so that he stops blinding. It's um, and it's important to point out that she was using Imperial Gothic when mm. she said that, because that becomes relevant to, later on. Uh, as opposed to something else, yeah. yes. Um, so, yeah, um, Vidco is kind of up next, I think, in the order of action within our game. Yeah, so Vidco... Um, knowing that Vey is trying to get on crowd control a little bit, actually decided to utilise her um, sort of, you know, insider knowledge as also a member of the Mechanicum and started calling out to the asset in binary. Mm -hmm. uh, which was really interesting to RP because it was pointed out to me by Mike that you can only then actually give yes, no answers. Yep. Or, uh, or you know, non-leading questions. Right. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, closed questions. Closed questions, right, that's the phrase I was looking for. So I was having to, it was everything was phrased with the end, with, the, with an end question of like confirm or deny, basically. Yeah. Um, but the result of that was Vidco coaxed, basically lying to the asset and saying that I'm here from the biologist on an independent investigation, mm -hmm. which is technically true. Yeah, kind of. Uh, Jen went a little bit further to say it was sanctioned. Um, yeah, that's sort of now stretching the truth. Uh, and that she advised the asset to um, uh, move towards her and confirm compliance immediately. Yeah. So while this is all going on, Ava has stalked her way up to the very summit of the kind of metal box that we're all standing around. Indeed. Um, and um, sort of trying to do a bit of tracking and hunting and yeah. see what she can see. And she can see, but she, she can can't see. tell us. But she can't speak. Yeah. So there yes. she is. So there she is. Cool. Um, Macalor sees the asset as it kind of calls out and then orders Flipnit, the kind of terrifying servitor monstrosity that he is, um, and says fetch, which is something we're going to be hearing a lot about, uh, <laughs> I think. Um, and uh, Flipnit, of course, doesn't wait for the lift. He's on the ground floor. Octavia's upstairs. So he sprints leaps on a pipe it's a risky action it's fine yeah he gets up there um his chain axe whirs which for those of us who hadn't quite heard the shouting that was going on the metallic whirring uh of a chainsaw uh reverberating off the metallic walls of the underhive uh kind of really really cut through there um there was one detail that happened in the background stalking in the shadows was obviously the demon host brendak at this point he's just he looks just like a, out. he looks like an acolyte in a test tube because yeah. the others are trying to pretend that he's not don't don't uh, look at the demon manifestation host. of chaos this is not the demon host you're looking for he sat in the tunnels looking out through and saw ava and started trying to mine scan yeah. her and then very quickly sussed out that they were after the the asset Mm. rather than actually warning anybody though what he decided to do was to just carry on sitting lurking in the shadows and see, and, and see how much fun he could have with that yeah which is about right for a trickster yeah um so that was going on as the chainsaw word octavia the asset that we're all here to either capture or interrogate or you know take out for coffee yeah. or whatever um smartly decided to leave yeah and was like ah that that servitor has a chainsaw no thank you um they wasn't best pleased that Isolde hadn't gone away as commanded, right? 
Uh, no, Isolde quite rightly went, you're not with the Mechanicum because you have an Inquisition uh, symbol on your chest. Well, I think what she said was, Ordo Hereticus, Malleus, or Xenos. Yeah, yeah, so... <laughs> He's got this massive thrice-barred eye emblazoned yeah, on his chest. He's yeah, like, I am the Adeptus Mechanicus, please go well, away. Well, he didn't say that, he said Mechanicum business is what yeah. he said. Um, Which, you know, but what he then semi believable, semi believable. But what he then did, and he actually at this point did say it with, as a genuine plea, like he did say, he pulled his bolt pistol, took the safety off, and said, "Please go away." And before Isolde Danforth could do anything about that, yeah. barreling in from her left hand side came Inquisitor Executioner Oswald. Tyburn. Yeah. Yes, correct. Uh, he, he didn't really like the fact that someone had just pulled a pistol on a on an ally. Um, yeah. Uh, to be fair to him, he still had his sword cheesed. He ran in for what is essentially a rugby tackle mm. in, in power armor. So scrum down. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, they actually managed to hear that, strangely, clanking yeah. power armor clanking man, sprinting along <laughs> metal floor, and spun round and fired, and Missed. Missed. He missed. I mean, it was a difficult shot. Yeah. Uh, but in fairness to Vey, uh, there was no version of that where you don't shoot at the, at the power armor Abs- thing running out yeah, of the right. smoke. Absolutely. Um, and um, within about half an hour of the campaign weekend kicking off, shots fired in Vakos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, and just to say, didn't Vey also then manage to sidestep yeah. um, the bulking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the shot goes wild. Um, you've got the jinking run coming in from Inquisitor Executioner Oswald Tyburn. Yeah. He dodges, he jinks, he tackles, and it's that, it's that hourglass sort of slapping against yeah, his legs. That's what it was. And Vey just sort of steps out of the way. If they, I mean, Vey is sprightly. He's a bit smaller than the other Inquisitors modelled. Um, yeah. For context, he's on a 32mm pace and not a 40. Um, yeah. And uh, he he managed to jump to jump to one side. Uh, so Tyburn sort of just did a bit of a belly slide, didn't he, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, like a penguin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> a very, very zealous penguin. Yeah. Um, and then uh, after he'd done that, I believe... Um, well, Ava opened fire as um, they opened fire. She did, but yeah. But her yeah. nearest target was Flipnit. The yeah, servitor. that's right. This yeah. is essentially the only way she can actually inform anyone that she's seen bad people. Shoot them. Just shoot at them and then everyone knows. Back up yeah. in the vicinity. Exactly. She hasn't heard of flares. No. Um, obviously, Flipnit being predominantly made of metal just kind of takes a load of bullets and is still fine. Yeah. Um, which is the whole thing. Um, so after after Vey has dodged away from uh, Tyburn, who's still got more competence to contend with, um, as we have uh, ex-enforcer Tombstone Quinn also charging in. Yeah, I mean, this is he's, he's essentially like a, a bodyguard figure, right? So yeah. he just sees that stuff's going down and then yeah. uh, goes barreling in after his uh, after his master I'm still not certain what the giant uh, power armoured man needs with a bodyguard but, oh he's uh, forgotten to wear a helmet yeah true. that's true yeah. and he's got his little floaty skull with him as well yeah. you know yeah. I think he just that. likes to have someone he can push in front really yeah, yeah. 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 take yeah. these bullets on your crystal shield yeah because yeah, I've got this lovely antique armour that I don't want scratched yeah. you don't want to have to polish that that's true you, yeah, you don't want to have to buff that it's fair yeah. um, and, and they yet again jumps aside from being charged. Yeah, she was being sprightly at this point. Um, 
Tombstone came in with a bit. It was admittedly a bit of a hail mary, wasn't it? Because he didn't quite yeah. know what was going on. Um, but yeah, they managed to, to jump. But the, the 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 main mechanic to note here is that when you do when you dodge an attack, you do physically move a distance. Yes. Um, and because of where Vidco was stood, they and Vidco were literally right next to each other. And yeah. So as two assailants came in, they pushed you them actually split, right? Split, yeah. split the party, uh, which kind of then uh, resulted in. Vidco having to reassess her own situation as there was starting to be a bit of a, a bit of a mall. Absolutely. Now elsewhere we have Natalia Jacket who hasn't been mentioned yet because she's she's the pilot of Eradica Herman's uh, crew and so she's not really super into being up front. She's got to be kind of rested in order to fly them out of pretty negative situations. So she kind of taken a little while to catch up. Like we've now made contact with the asset. People are firing guns, having sword fights and she's made it to the top of the stairs. Yeah. So she puts out a cigarette, draws her pistol, fires a shot, misses, shrugs, re readdresses her aim, and hits Flipnit at quite a range for the auto pistol, three out of four times, and actually pierces his chest armor with a play shot and puts him down. Yeah. So uh, lesson learned for people actually wanting to play the game as opposed to role playing the game is you should, you should aim, but your character might not aim. No, aiming is quite good. Yeah, uh, if your objective is actually to hit and shoot. Yeah, it, it comes back to this point around you need to consider just because something's efficient, is it what they would do? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so Natalia's the sort of person who swaggered up a bit late, assessed the situation, and just made sure she's hit. Yeah. But narrative-wise, that really works because she's also the pilot, right? So yeah. She's cool under fire, she's... and she's also a bit like, come on. Yeah. This is how you shoot someone. Um, now the unfortunate thing about that is that knocking down Flipnit gave direct line of fire to, and I'm doing air quotes here, Sister Sophia, yeah. uh, the sister of battle who's in Macalor's retinue, um, who was up on a gantry with her heavy bolter, mm -hmm. and the only thing blocking her from blowing Lars Herman up with her heavy bolter was that her mate Flipnit was in the way. Well, he's now lying on the ground. Yeah. So that, that cycled up, and um, I mean, it's extremely effective. Yeah. Herman is on the ground and he's bleeding. It was um, immediate system shock, wasn't it? Yeah. The mechanic yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Like, he so he could have died. Yes. Yeah, he could have just been dead, uh, yeah. which was a shame. I mean, shoots a get shot with a heavy bolter will do that to you, yeah. I guess. Um, and, you know, he's, he's wearing, like, you know, plate armour, which is quite good in a medieval fight. Mm. It's not great against caseless nuclear propelled bolt shots from a heavy bolter. This is true. Uh, so it turns out. However, he just stood up, muttering a prayer to the Holy Throne, bleeding heavily. He crashes down the stairs, smashing into Flipnit, who's briefly managed to stand up again. Um, Flipnit dodges the first attack, but the second one knocks the kind of hulking metal servitor off the edge, penetrating the armor, and he falls and cracks his back on a pipe as well. Yeah, so um, you might think that that's Flipnit down and out too. Definitely the pipe down now. The pipe is mega down <laughs> that now. Pipe, that pipe's not coming So if you thought there was kind of a smoky, steamy yeah. atmosphere already, there's now also yeah. going on too, yeah. um, which will have been a horrible noise that I just made for you listeners, but there you go. We, we will be running a, a sidebar podcast on the uh, follow-up sequel to what happened to the pipe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming soon. Yeah, the pipe quest. Yeah. Um, following up on the pipe boss from uh, the, the former... Uh, from World of Warcraft, which has been horrible for those of you listening who know about that. Um, so there's lots of fighting going on. Um, Vidco actually kind of snaps together 
at this point, right? Um, Vidco, so Octavia had responded to Vidco in, in binary, and actually what had happened in the background while this melee was going on was yeah. that Octavia had started to move towards Vidco. Uh, George did a dice roll, mm -hmm. and the result of that dice roll, and I think it was just a four up, actually. Sure. Because there was two people calling yeah, it. It's binary, isn't it? Yes or no. It was or also... You or you. It was also, because it was binary, I think, in his head, it was more believable for Octavia in that moment. Yeah. Which doesn't necessarily need to be true, of course. Um, so what Octavia calls out, it says, are you with Inquisitor Salarath? Uh, um, affirmative or, or um, negative? Yeah. See what that is. Affirmative. Yeah. Negative. Um, and Vidco just goes, affirmative, because there's nothing that says that binary can't lie. No. Um, so Octavia starts to make her way towards uh, towards Vidco. So uh, Vey very much takes on the role of distraction card effects. When I say yeah. distraction card effects, I mean light distraction. Yeah. I'm going to run over here whilst being purple and having mechanical arms. No, I mean I mean Vey is the distraction. oh Vey is the distraction. Okay. Yeah. Which uh, so you're running interference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so whilst that's going on, Macalor uh, literally shoots Herman with a bolt. Herman's just got up, having hit, been hit with a heavy bolter, not to serve it off a platform. He's standing there, breathing heavily, bleeding heavily, mm -hmm. and is shot again in the guts by a bolt pistol. System shot, bleeding out. Herman is basically out for this game. He was out. I mean, he was out for the game, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. At, at this point, so he's he's been shot twice in the space of effectively in the sequencing of the game about 15 seconds of real time. He shrugged the first salvo off, kicked somebody off a balcony, and then been shot in the guts for his efforts. Um, and this was in close enough proximity to where Octavia was starting to move towards Vidco, so Octavia then decides, do you know what, I've had enough of all of you, I'm gonna go the opposite direction to where any of you are, because that seems like the right thing to do. That seems safe me. now that there's like seemingly four inquisitorial warbands yeah. shooting each uh, other. Yeah, and all claiming to be the one that I need to speak to. Yeah, so, so the, the kind of politics and diplomacy has not gone extremely well. So, Q, uh, scrum forward, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, Tyburn. Tyburn still thinks it's a scrimmage. Uh, yeah, Oswald, Alan Wynne Jones Tyburn. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, just basically not decides he's going to run down Octavia and, uh, uh, and basically just tackle them to the ground yeah which he did which yeah. he did successfully which he did, yeah. Yeah. so asset seized Ava leaps down yeah that's right yeah so she basically uh, does a little bit of sort of acrobatics and drops down off a ledge and while she's fully while she's running crow experience absolutely yeah. yeah she's probably like makes some crowing noises and flaps her arms as she does it I, I imagined it more like underworld yeah, like Selena jumping off the edge of the building, holding to a pistol in each hand. You're looking at me, Rob, like you haven't seen Underworld. Yeah, um, fair enough. Okay, yeah, but well, hopefully I'll, someone got that. I'll, I'll trust you on that one. Um, yeah, and then basically, as she's like sprinting along down some stairs, just lets rip with uh, with both of her auto pistols and and hits Macklaw in, in the, the face, face. Um, yeah. which is why we wear helmets. Also, was I'm pretty sure that was the first shot of a load of. 
semi-auto shots. Yeah, so and it was a very difficult dice roll. You hit really well, just and then it just the recoil was so <laughs> you you, fight, you basically yeah, yeah, point yeah. break the last three shots into the air. the rest into the air. But that didn't matter because McAlore, I think, was then stunned for five turns. Right? It, was yeah, it, was like face face it was our introduction to the full auto mechanic and left us all believing that the full auto mechanic was somehow bent, but it wasn't. It was that Rob rolled really hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so uh, oh, and also, it wasn't the only shot that hit him. The final shot of the salvo hit him in the groin oh, and yeah. stunned him for an additional two turns. So, right. at this point, we're four or five turns into the game. Everyone's fighting, and Macalore's stunned for the next seven turns, which realistically is the rest of this game. So, we've got two um, warband leaders out the on the ground, and yeah. um, also redefined the phrase "double tap." Yes, one in the head. One in the nuts. In the nuts. Um, now you're kind of massive offensive at this. I think there was a weird bottlenecking where your characters' uh, speeds all became relatively close together because we've got a lot of your characters acting at similar times. Yeah, that's right. I think at this point, because I had a couple in the speed five category, which was our top category, wasn't it? And then you've got the speed four yeah, band. Yeah. Where I had and one a, few, in there. a couple of those people were down. So Quinn kind of comes in hot after Ava and Tyburn have kind of thrashed about. Yes, this is the the retired enforcer with a shock baton, yeah. um, and basically just thumps Bay in the uh, in the leg, um, causes him shock. Yeah, and then Elect- stunned him for a turn. Right? Electricity coursing through him. Yeah, yeah. Totally reasonable uh, use of force by the police. Just there. Ta- tasered in the leg. I'm trying to think of the program where there is a scene where one of the main characters gets tasered by the police after having not really done anything. Oh, I want to say it was something like super bad, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it was. maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, um, I think it's just being in America, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was, but it was, it was full on. Like, I'm using reasonable force. Why are you resisting? Stop resisting. Why are you hitting yourself? Yeah. Stop, Stop hitting yourself with my shock baton. Yeah. Smash. Why have you got this cocaine that I just put in your pocket? So at this point, we've got one inquisitor stunned, one inquisitor out for the count another inquisitor stunned for seven turns twitching yeah. on the floor um, and Tyburn is lying down <laughs> with a tech priest underneath him and uh, still hasn't oh, drawn yeah, his sword yeah, right. so, so we're all, all four of the inquisitors at this point oh, the game on the ground and only one of them has seized the prize so it's looking pretty good at this point for Oswald Tyburn um, however Natalia who you may remember is a bit behind the kind of pace of the game mm-hmm. um, seeing Sister Sophia blow apart her uh, her boss kind of in front of her goes now I could go over there and uh, help him but he's a big lad and I don't want to get shot to death so she drops down and as luck would happen she drops down directly in front of the direction that Octavia was trying to escape in so considering that theoretically she's working with Tyburn they've now got Octavia super pinned in mm-hmm. and probably that's going to be the end of the game you would think you would the think Inquisitors are down Tyburn's not down and the two warbands will surely be able to interrogate the asset right? surely surely um, Vidco might have another idea but Isolde fires a shot into her chest knocking her down and then Colin the attack dog goes in too so it's really looking like Tyburn and Herman's warbands have got this yeah. sewn up and I think at this point that's where Vidco make a, made a lucky on the floor parry against the dog right yeah. so the yeah. dog actually wasn't as down as everybody thought yeah you were literally just knocked prone by yeah, the, that's the, right. so you were shot in the chest with a revolver yeah. your armour stopped nearly all the damage but it was enough to knock you off your feet that's because right. it's a revolver and I was about as far away from you as I am now yes. um, 
but she parries the dog mm. um, Octavia is still being pinned down by Tyburn he is wearing power armour and at that moment the servitor who was down and out flipping it is no longer down and out because he just he just fell off a thing the pipe came off worse than he did ultimately um, and flipping it charges into Tyburn he's been told to fetch the asset um, he's still focused on that important mission um, and so Ava and Tyburn kind of just wildly slash at Flipnit. Um, Flipnit's first attack is fended off by the power-armoured elbow of Inquisitor Executioner Tyburn. Yep. Um, Flipnit's kind of nonplussed and impervious, though. Um, there's some more reasonable force going on as uh, Inquisitor V is already down and stunned. Yeah. Well, he's not put down again. He's down and is hit again yeah, with yeah, a shot yeah. He's told to stay down. Whilst unconscious. Stay down. Yeah. Stay down. The retired enforcer is still stuck in his old ways. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, keeps yeah. pummeling him with this uh, shock baton. Absolutely. Um, Vitko is pretty successful at this point, I reckon, in terms of the mission. Yeah, so what's happened here is that all of that um, melee going on with Flipnet charging in has been somewhat of a distraction. Um, yep. um, Cat among the pigeons. Yeah, uh, speaking of pigeons, Ava's jumped off Flipnip's back and has ran round to um, try and uh, attack Vidco again. Mm -hmm. So what's now in front of Vidco, bearing in mind that this is a, a biologist with an MIU shoulder-mounted chem thrower, yeah. um, is you've got um, Isolade in front of her, who's not moved, but yeah. she's been aiming her revolver. And Ava springs him around the corner as well. So, Q hosing down the area with Bloodfire Chem? Yep, which is effective at dealing with uh, the people in front of her. Um, there's then even more fire comes in. Sister Sophia has made it to within range. She's riding a lift down, but she's not going to wait till she gets to the bottom. The lift's giving her quite a good kind of overview of the situation. There's heavy bolter fire spilling into the area as well. Luckily, nobody's hit, because that would have been pretty terminal, I think. But a lot of people who were fighting at this point are very much ducking for cover, right? Yeah. Um, this is the point where I remember to make nerve checks if you've been shot. Yeah. <laughs> so that happens. Yeah, it's the first time that it's someone's not just been put down or like full auto has been happening, really, I yeah. guess. But yeah. Um, and then you've got Brandak comes in. Yeah, so Vidco, I, I said something slightly out of sequence. Vidco actually stood up as um, Danforth was aiming her revolver again, but missed. Yeah. Oh no, didn't miss. Didn't just, miss, but didn't get time it didn't, to didn't get, get the shot off. So readdresses re the shot and actually doesn't get to fire. Right, okay. Um, that's the point where Vidco decided to unleash the, the, the chem, uh, blood, blood, blood fire chemical. Um, and so we've got heavy bolt shots coming in, blood fire chem thrower coming in, yeah. and then from behind us as well. Lurking in the shadows. In, was uh, and I learned what a, a storm of lightning uh, does, which yep. is the warp lightning. The um, Emperor Palpatine moment. Yeah, literally the Emperor Palpatine moment. And it was uh, he's going to have several of these over the course of the campaign. Um, the lightning knocks onto the floor, I think at least it cleared a path, right? It took it down Quinn. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Quinn went down. I think Ava was within maybe one, one point, point of system of, shock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very effective, Yeah, all in all. Um, it had 
allowed Vey to get back up because he thankfully wasn't struck. Uh, Danforth was also very close to system shock at this point as well, right? No, she was just down. It was the first hit she'd taken. No, because the lightning kept hitting her because the chemtrail put within an inch of her life. No, I don't remember. Yeah, she was fine in that. She was absolutely fine in that scenario, so she couldn't have had more than two levels. So maybe just hit somewhere else, and it was the. You know, I think it's maybe she was stunned or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the point being that three lots of kind of eight uh, area effect damage came in yeah. on the area, yeah. raining down shots, forcing people to jump out of the way. Tyburn is of course tied up, fighting in melee with an enraged servitor, mm -hmm. and Octavia has a choice to make. Yeah. Do I go out with this? You know pilot who's not really able to speak to me or hasn't really given me any good reason to trust them no. or do I leave with this inquisitor yeah. who says that they know Inquisitor Salarath and also has a tech priest with them who is talking to me and is someone I would probably trust Yeah. so perhaps unsurprisingly Octavia starts to leave the area of, uh, of the scenario with they and with Vidco kind of beating a vanguard retreat yeah um natalia gets close she does but as she snatches around the corner and squeezes off some shots they've gone around the bulkhead and it's too long they're running they're in the wind and so our first scenario we've got inquisitors down on the floor we've got everybody getting involved in combat and what we thought might actually be a bit more diplomatic as a scenario and yeah it's really kicked off in the heart of petrograd inquisitor inquisitors vey and Macalor are successful mm -hmm. at the end of scenario one um, so yeah how experience is working in the campaign is we're going to run a series of linked campaigns so we're recording experience over the weekend and then they will be applied at the end of the three scenarios to so take any surviving characters that there might be into uh, the, the second kind of campaign weekend so you get a bit of recovery rolling in Inquisitor so some of those injuries that you've heard described will have been lessened there's been some aspirin there's been some gauze and you know some people having to splint themselves up and staple themselves back together but most people will be more or less conscious at least in the next game um so first blood to uh Vey and Macalor. Mission two. Um, we are now at the Adeptus Mechanicus Red Palace at the very centre of the city of Vakos on Petrograd. Um, and uh, one of the big differences when we saw this board set up is it was interior. Um, yeah. So we got kind of a really nice set of terrain that George had got, which was a Kickstarter that sadly the company's gone bankrupt during COVID, but there's some pictures on the Twitter of it. It's essentially a load of stacking high quality card stock boxes that you can kind of lock doors onto, um, really beautiful graphics design, um, and for kind of like room by room, search and clear kind of missions, it was really ideal. That also gave George the opportunity to put in the uh, non-player character rules that were written like way back in, I think like 2013, um, by Roby Jenkins, uh, who we know through the Conclave and who is Precinct, Precinct Omega Studios, who are really cool, so check them out on Twitter and their socials, that's Precinct Omega. Um, and so there are lots of NPCs, mostly Skitari for the time being. And um, the Red Palace is the imposing techno uh, or techo cog fortress high above Vakos. The Adeptus Mechanicus rule as the undisputed masters of Petrograd, and the Red Priesthood ensure that the Imperial Tithe is paid in full, as they have done to aid the campaigns of the Lord Commander of the Imperial. Uh, Imperium Rebute Gilliman during the Indomitus Crusade, turning the vast industrial output of Petrograd to serve the Imperium. 
the Adeptus Mechanicus is secretive and fiercely um, uh, covert uh, in their uh, independence from traditional power structures in the Imperium. They function uh, completely in silo and they don't tolerate the existence of the Ecclesiarchy on Petrograd. Instead, the Cult Mechanicus holds sway. Now the Tech Guard, who are these goons that we're about to run into, of the Adeptus Mechanicus, uh, they're known as the Skitari, and um, they're pretty cool models. It's nice to have Admech in, uh, represented in the game. We certainly couldn't really do that back when Inquisitor was first uh, released, certainly not as easily or cheaply as getting 12 classic guys for like 20 quid. Um, and um, they have successfully defended Petrograd against lots of attacks, most recently against um, the Death Guard, Nurgle Space Marines during yeah. the Gothic War and these fanatical warriors of the Adeptus Mechanicus will willingly die in service to tech priest masters who, uh, who are, you know, pretty dangerous themselves. Um, now, some of the most zealous in the Inquisition might question such dogmatism. Um, the huge industrial success of the Forge world, such as Petrograd, combined with a flawless record in providing the tithe, has meant that the High Lords are willing to overlook the Red Priesthood's uh, opposition to the Imperial cult, and officially, the cult Mechanicus maintains that the Emperor of Mankind is the physical manifestation of the Machine God, or the Omniscia. Um, it's part of a trinity that also includes the Machine God and the Motive Force that deify uh, and uh, that deity gives all life and motion uh, its continued existence. And for us, the Inquisitors, there is an Inquisitorial Intelligence Report which has now been extracted by Inquisitors Bay and Macalor, having successfully bundled the asset out of a pretty big firefight and melee at the end of Scenario 1. Um, and this Inquisitorial asset um, from within the Adeptus Mechanicus itself um, We've got encrypted intelligence on recent events occurring in Petrograd, and the leaked recording that brought us into Scenario 1 has potential allegations of heretical experimentation by the arch-genitor, a Magos biologist called Demeter Kaboth. Remember the name. Demeter Kaboth is going to show up quite a lot. Um, the first course of action should be to secure the asset, which you've nailed. Yeah, well done, guys. Got him. Uh, actually, Mike is no longer here, so well done. Alex. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you have smashed, smashed that. Macalor's disappeared, yeah. as, as, as is his wont. Um, and having uh, tracked them down, you're going to be tracking down Kaboth and investigating this research and the uh, alleged activities. Now, of course, what you do with any of that information um, will be left to your discretion. Um, and uh, let it be noted, dear listener, that Alex's warband includes a Magos biologist and a demon host. So obviously the imperial way is going to be upheld and no one's going to do anything remotely treacherous Absolutely. now be warned inquisitor the tech adepts are by their very nature secretive and jealously guard this vast knowledge and they do not take kindly to those that might threaten their power and position even the inquisition it is likely that other members of the inquisition might be aware of what you're up to as well um, and indeed, Inquisitors Tyburn and Herman have also arrived on the scene with a slightly different mission. Yeah, the kick in the front door and go barnstorming kind of mission. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, it's the sound of the police. <laughs> yeah, they're here to essentially burn it down, purge the heretic, yep. kill the traitor, take as many restore, heads as possible, restore anyway. order to uh, the imperial world of Petrograd. Um, did, it, did it start with Tombstone uh, using a police, police baton thing on the door? Oh, uh, like yeah, probably. And then Herman probably pushed around. him aside yeah. and just like used his head. Yeah, crack that in. 
Um, so yeah, here we are. Scenario two goes. Um, we've got to, we've got to burn it to the ground. Uh, we've come in the main door. There's Skitari everywhere, um, and we could go tweet by tweet through what that was like. But ultimately, what we found was that we all got quite sidetracked by NPCs, and that took about an hour and a half of the game. Yeah, right? well, I mean, yeah, particularly when latter events unfolded. Uh, for, for my side of the board, we didn't have any NPCs. Yeah. But we just had. So you guys did some corridor walking. Yeah. and some research. So we yes. had the we had the asset with us, um, who only was willing to go so far up the corridor, then turned tail and ran away. Yep. Um, Vay's party made it into uh, one of the main sort of side rooms. So we came for for listener context. We came in through a service tunnel because we were we were the inside intel. We we were told that if we did that, we wouldn't get shot at, and lo and behold, we didn't get shot at. Um, Oh yeah, shit. So we 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 did. Yeah. Uh, So we made our way as a collective up the corridor, and to cut uh, a slightly longer story short, so we're not going action by action. Uh, we made it into more of a centralised room where we started rifling through effectively paperwork and term- yeah. terminals and trying to figure out what was going on. Meanwhile, and we also didn't get shot at because we went into a room filled with Skitari and killed all of them before they could raise their weapons. And, and instead of rifling through paperwork, we just kicked over some uh, kicked over some bookcases. Kicked over some bookcases. Tried and to open a, a door couple of with terminals. a hammer. It was made of metal and was magnetically locked. And that was sort of how our game went for about an hour. Well, the Skitari came in, we killed them, we stood in a room and didn't manage to open the door. And there was one, there was two interesting events on our side of the corridor before the main event of this scenario. Yeah. Number one, Brendak, sensing that Sister Sophia yes. was, her arm was a bit grubby. Yeah. And a bit old. Sure. And... As a trickster demon by nature, he was picking up a weird vibe, so he mind-scanned her discreetly. Yeah, and Sophia, remember, is supposed to be a battle sister of the Adeptus Sororitas, who has been seconded to look after Imperial Inquisitor Macalor. Yeah. But if she's a battle sister, she's going to be using, like, holy rites, purification oils, repainting, rededicating her armour, covering it in scrolls of litanies of prayer to the god-emperor of mankind, it's probably not going to mostly and, be rust and scratches and bullet holes. And also not in any way tolerating working with a demon host. Sure. Um, yeah. And it just didn't f- it didn't fit well together for him, so he mind-scanned her. Mm. Uh, rather easily, it turns out. Yeah, which, which again would have been more difficult bit, had bit she been a battle sister. And uh, Sister, F- Sister Sophia, in her inner thoughts, let uh, Brandak know that she did not care one jot if Inquisitor Macalor was to die, as long as it looked convincing, i.e. that it didn't look like she had done it. Yes. Now, you may remember earlier in the episode we talked uh, with Mike about Sophia, who is actually the daughter of, I think, the Lariat um, rogue trader Corsair family. Yeah. Uh, and they send one every generation, because Macalor thinks that it's still Sister Sophia from 500 years ago. Um, but it's not and they're after the inheritance of vast wealth so Brendak great role playing there is going to try and make it so that um, they can use the other warband against itself yeah so at this point point, the demon is very much prepping himself for how does he fulfil his own purpose rather than anybody else's yeah Uh, we then had one other moment on our side of the corridor for it all kicked off which was one of the Sakitari did open the door and walk through uh, and they used his psychic rush spell. Yes. Uh, not spell. Sorry, I've been playing too much D and D. Psychic power. Yeah. Um, 
which plays rather like the exact Doom Marine in the video games, where he turns into a living wrecking ball, just ran at the Skitari and knocked it chins to one him. side, chins him to one side, knocks him off a wall, yep. and knocks him out. Second and crunch, dead. Dead. Well, not dead, stunned. Yeah. Vidco then came along and mechan- uh, plugged mechanendrites into the Skitari to interrogate ah, it. Ah, cool. So that's how you got some of that info. Uh, and. Um, and actually deactivated it when she was done with it so it wasn't going to cause any more bother. Yeah. So at this point, we've kind of got free reign of half of the facility with no NPCs while you guys are yeah, in a yeah. bit of a, in a And bit I mean, you know, uh, Vey also managed to find files on the HOP, which we yeah. kind of assume is the heart of Petrograd, out of character, because we know that's the name of the campaign, but yeah. that's the first instance of it in character, in-game. HOP, discovered in the... 38th millennium made from noctolith otherwise known as blackstone similar yeah. to the fortresses of the nearby gothic sector maybe that's what's being mined for in those caverns and catacombs of Petrograd um, interesting side note maybe it'll be important in a future campaign but during uh, they and Vidco's searching of Skitari and terminals Inquisitor Makalor pockets a vial of green liquid uh, from a table a research a lab desk yeah from a lab desk yeah, um, yeah. we're also dealing with computer terminals on our side of things and Inquisitor Tyburn has a slightly different approach to tech yeah just smash it up yeah suffer not the computer terminal to live <laughs> um, now this is the moment at which the warbands on the separate sides of the argument come together again along a corridor Sister Sophia spots Quinn Ava and Tyburn kind of just wrecking the place. Ava was actually scouting, wasn't she? Yeah, she ran back yeah. around the co- like, so Ava was scouting. So Ava like, had basically cleared the corridor to make sure that the, the warbands weren't being flanked, and then she'd run back to the group to and say course, it's all clear. Yeah, say so it's all well to like gesture with her hands that it was all yeah. clear. By the time, of course, they then decided to go that way, yeah. uh, there was uh, someone with a heavy bolter stood at the other end. Yeah, which is kind of the, the time lost there is kind of the drawback of not being able to. And of course, with Inquisitor, the, the, the time was probably a very short space of time. We're probably seconds. talking like 10, 20 yeah, seconds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just really unfortunate that, you know, yeah. were it real time, that's how quickly that that's transpired. She's just had a look. As soon as she's turned around, someone's popped Sophia's up in around the corner. So ultimately, your warband stood at one end of a corridor. Sophia with a heavy bolter which you would put on a tank yeah. Yeah. is at the other end and just sort of presses fire yeah and, and pretty much just keeps them pinned there doesn't she um, for quite a long time yeah I Quinn, Quinn takes a shot to, to his helmet and then gets stunned I think yeah. um, and Ava actually didn't take too much no, damage she, but she, she, goes she held a nerve but I think she maybe got pinned she or something she fired off her auto pistols and they ran out of ammo that's it. it yeah you're right she basically just yeah. emptied a clip uh, indiscriminately down the corridor didn't um, have time to dodge it, through the door it was the yeah. lobby scene from the Matrix yeah, yeah essentially yeah. 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 Um, and eventually Tyburn managed to under weight of fire drag himself back up from the floor yeah. and sprint headlong along the corridor um, as unfortunately Sophia's heavy bolter she brings it to bear click 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 click, click. oh shit um, and Tyborn essentially kind of barrels into her in a, in a melee in yes though this time not for the rugby tackle he did decide to go in swinging uh, with pointy the end first yeah um, which kind of was hard work because all she could really do was throw her empty heavy bolter at you in a kind of last ditch attempt which yeah. um, you know missed uh, due to uh, 
you know, it being massive and then him being yeah. quite good at fighting. Um, my warband was mostly standing around waiting for a door to open, um, which it did. Now, was that when Macalor and Vidco made it to another computer terminal? No, what had happened, yeah, sorry, yeah, you're quite right. So what had happened is uh, Herman had tried to knock the door down with a mallet and was yeah. told access denied. Yeah. So you were all kind of, you were sort of dithering a bit, weren't you? In character, I mean, you were sort yeah. of all just trying to figure out where we're going to go. Also generally. Um, Macalor and Vidco found another door uh, at the back of the other half of the Red Palace where we were. Yeah. Uh, having just found out about the heart of Petrograd, um, which was revealed to be um, an, an orb that existed in the centre of the planet. Yes. Um, uh, potentially uh, a one that was responsible for the extinction event, as we already said. Mm -hmm. um, she did a bio scan of what was behind this door because as Macalor tried to open the door and was told access denied, there was a low guttural roar from yeah. inside it. Macalor, um, sorry, not Macalor, Vidco very quickly established via the bioscan that there was a huge monstrous creature behind that door that mm -hmm. was pacing like a wild animal, uh, ready to be set off the lead. Yeah. As that bioscan data came in and she relayed that information to Vay, yeah. that triggered the. Ah, oh, yeah, so at this point, you hear a mechanical voice ring out through the facility. Interlopers, defilers, you dare interfere with the sacred work of the Mechanicus, but perhaps you would like to test the facility's research firsthand. And there's a load of like unlocking door noises, which we were quite pleased about because Herman spent quite a long time trying to get a metal door with a hammer. Yeah. Um, bear witness, um, specimens go forth. Uh, so basically, George then put a lot of zombies on the table and we have the kind of um, the plague poxwalkers uh, Pox from 40k yeah. um, and um, the three headed kind of Nurgle beast from uh, the rogue trader expansion to kill team which looked amazing uh, known as uh, Project Icarus Project uh, although Icarus. at the time known as Project Omega as George had obviously latched onto uh, Roby when we yeah, were yeah, discussing yeah, yeah. him earlier so Project Omega slash Icarus um, came out um, Sophia at this point was still kind of firing a heavy bolter towards people, couldn't hear anything about it. Um, and yeah, you basically had a kind of ogrin sized monster fighting Flipnit and Macalor. Uh Indeed, um, that which had a flamethrower for a belly, which was yeah. uh, also interesting. And three heads. Three heads and some nasty looking claws. Um, the Project Icarus uh, managed to put Flipnit down on his back. Yeah. Uh, leaving Macalor stood there alone. Um, crucially, Vidco had retreated back from the door, uh, yeah. having not shared that information with Macalor, just to leave it to their fate. <laughs> they very quickly, after having just dealt with the, the last Skitari that wandered aimlessly through the door and shot Brendak, didn't succeed, got a shotgun to the face, yeah. told her to get in that room and uh, get some more uh, information. While en route, to that door, she also spies the green vials on the same lab desk, yeah. of which there is two left, and swipes one for herself. Uh, making it past Project Icarus, she gets into that room, notices the terminal, and proceeds to try and get some further information. Yeah. Now, drawing on what was learned earlier on from the mind scan of Sister Sophia, Brendark, carrying caller, 
reached into the Immaterium and into the freak mind of Project Icarus. So knowing that Sophia kind of would be quite happy for um, uh, Makalor to die, as long as it wasn't her fault, um, Brendark, I guess, saw an opportunity. Uh, Brendak just thought it'd be really funny to see what happens, and that's it. There's nothing more sinister to it. And essentially wreaks havoc by taking over this kind of vat-grown plague zombie ogring. Uh, so that's kind of a scary time. Um, and then there's just quite a lot of fighting for a period of time. We've got Tyburn locked in a duel that he's eventually going to win against Sophia. There's only so much backing up she can do. She's not holding any weapons and there's yeah. a sword swinging at her. Quinn gets up, sprints along the corridor with his riot shield. And I think he's the one who actually puts her down. Uh, yeah, I think doesn't he take her down, but I, I'm not sure the shock. He sh he sh I think he the shocks shock her down, but it doesn't get through the power armor. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so yeah. he knocks her off her feet. And uh, Tyburn literally like cuts her leg off. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure he just stands there and just clubs just, at her, just hacks yeah. at her for a bit, yeah. Yeah, so she's pretty much out. Um, now, during all of this, Herman has not been coming through the middle fighting zombies. Oh, very importantly, as the doors opened into this chamber oh, yeah. full of kind of like oh, yeah. green stasis vats where the zombies have come out of, there's um, a really important <laughs> character, um, <laughs> Daedalus41, an utterly insane Remedium pattern Medici servitor programmed to carry out his master's wishes at all costs. And George had spent quite a lot of time at like two in the morning when his, his newborn daughter was up crying. Like, you know, writing background for this character and, and how this character was and painting to, it. And painting it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like a lot of hours painting it and, 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 and filling it with the sort of information that we would be able to access from it. So as the doors opened, um, Colin, the, the Mastiff companion of Isolde Danforth, um, leapt through the door and in one shot oh. caught it around the neck, pulled off its entire head and killed it. Yeah, and George was like, "Oh, yeah, good, well done." <laughs> that's uh, that's one of the occupational hazards of being a DM. I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've done uh, this. Oh, you killed it. Oh dear. Okay. Yes, the thing I've spent loads of time prepping is gonna. Ha yeah. oh, oh. Didn't didn't expect there to yeah, be a, a very good boy jump through in there. Uh, and and just a, sit there wagging his tail afterwards. As a bit of a bonus, we've, we've actually recorded George's uh, frustration to that, which I'll, I'll add it in a bit bit later in the episode. Um, but we've got um, Lars Herman, who has been kind of just stalking up and down the corridors. He's not been involved in any of the fighting. He was frustrated by, well, he killed a couple of Skataris he yeah. came in. So if you imagine you guys are coming through the front entrance, all of Rob's characters have gone right, Lars has decided to go left. And Isolde and Natalia have just stayed in the original room, firing pistols into the doorway in the middle to stop zombies. Yeah. Herman's already moved on before the door opens, because it wouldn't open to a hammer, so he decided to find another way. Um, and he actually sees the shotgun flash um, of, and a Skitari kind of shoot backwards across the corridor that he's walking down. Yeah. And he knows that the Skitari don't use solid slug weaponry, they've got grav guns and ion cannons and galvanic Gal Gal devices rifles, yeah. um, so that's a weird weapon nobody in Tyburn's retinue has a shotgun nobody in Dan in um, Herman's retinue has a shotgun in fact the only shotgun he's seen was in the hands of another Inquisitor Inquisitor Vey yeah. and he doesn't like Inquisitor Vey in fact he thinks that Flipnit and Sophia work for Inquisitor Vey because he's never met Makalor no um, so the only Inquisitor he knows exists 
who is bad, who he's here to kill, is Inquisitor Vay. You're like, that shotgun is where I'm going. So by the time he gets to the end of the corridor, they is unfortunately fighting eight zombies. Yeah, so the important thing to remember is that for Brendak to carry on controlling Project, uh, Project Icarus, he can't do anything else. He kind of got to stand there. So he was just stood there um, in a prayer-like stance, grinning, while they had to do all the heavy lifting because Vidco at this point was trying to get into the computer terminal behind Project Icarus. So there's a room with smashed glass and green vials and stuff, zombies pouring out and fighting they. It is very much like that Doom Marine archetype. Very much the Doom Marine archetype. And at this point, I was really hoping he was going to fulfill that archetype. And Yeah, so Herman steps through the door, goes, right, there's that Inquisitor. Also sees that there's lots of zombies, but he's a bit out of breath. And so in this moment goes, right, one thing at a time, let's be efficient. Um, and just cracks him in the legs. No, he crack he actually cracks him in the in the low in the lower back. Right. Because it was an abdomen shot yeah. from, from behind. behind. With a great hammer, yeah. a strength eighty yeah. out of a hundred. Yeah. Um and Fair that has and great hammers have a kind of interesting quirk on them where they don't actually do all that much damage, like compared to the falchion that's wielded by Tyburn, which is 3d10 damage plus a, a, a partly modified by your strength and hit locations and, and what have you. Um, the hammer is like 2d6 damage plus your strength modifier, so yeah. it's not, it's, it, it not can be worse. very low, it can be like lower than five, you like literally don't break somebody's armor, right? Because armor's generally between kind of five and 10, um, but it doubles the knockback. Yeah. and each character has an amount of knockback value that they can resist yeah which um, in which, Vay's case was seven which in Vay's case was seven um, but it was not enough no because it was and, 14 and and yeah it was 14 so it was halved yeah um, but also doubled yes so um, <laughs> basically Herman walks into the room sees the Inquisitor that he's here to mush and smacks him with a massive hammer and kind of pinballs him through the zombies, clearing Basically, the path zombie to the door. Croquet. Zombie yeah. croquet. Yeah. Zombie exactly. croquet. Yeah. Um, so there's a bit more fighting that goes on there. Vay there gets was, up. There was one important thing that uh, happened just, actually, probably simultaneously as he gets cracked in the back in real time. Yeah. He tried to do his um, psychic rush again and perils. And, and because we feel in the world something was interfering psychically was stopping yeah almost like there was a null zone or somebody out there was a larger psychic force in the room which of course there was yeah brendak controlling this awful abomination yeah. literally within feet of yeah. you and so they is there kind of like having been hit in the spine trying to summon up that strength that he needs to blast through these horrible viral zombies yeah and in game as well, then his willpower is at this point is actually getting quite chronically low. So the more times you attempt it, the harder it is, and yeah. the more likely you are to just implode your own brain. Right. Psychic powers are massively risky in yeah. Inquisitor, um, as they should be. Yeah, absolutely. As they should be. Um, Herman again charges to try and get through the door. There's this massive kind of central vat that looks like it's the uh, the container for whatever it is that's that's causing all of this. And of course, they haven't thought much further than we must destroy the bad green glass thing. Mm -hmm. Herman's going to go in there. He's going to plasma pistol it. And yet, the hero of the hour, ex-enforcer Tombstone Quinn, has got there just a little bit quicker. He has. Just as he's getting there, gets in about to... Uh, lay down what becomes the end game. Project Icarus sparks to life. 
And Project yep. Icarus ignores Flipnik, who's currently smacking with a chain axe. Yep. Turns around, reaches into the room where um, Flipnik has pushed McLaur into to try and protect him. Pulls McLaur out of the room and very nearly kills him. Very nearly just straight up killed him. McLaur rolls over onto his back, pulls out his kind of dirty Harry Star revolver. No, it's literally the Dirty Harry revolver. Yeah. He bought it on terror for a lot of money, yeah. didn't he? So the Dirty <laughs> Harry, the literal Dirty Harry the revolver. revolver. Um, he turns around and shoots him in his one remaining head. Clean off. Dead. Clean off. McAlor is. McAlor is so lucky all the time for the last 10 years he's got terrible stats yeah <laughs> and Mike plays him as somebody who doesn't really know what he's doing yeah and yet and always manages to and yet Mackler always somehow when he needs to and he's using the same dice as everybody else Mackler always somehow literally just out and out kills somebody just as they're about to smash like a car down on his face or somebody yeah. and it's always like the last bullet in the chamber yeah it's, it's filmic it, stuff, it's, isn't it's it? It's so good. Yeah. And very crucially, as the beast uh, dies, because Makalor is himself a psyker, he feels that link between the beast and Brenda break. Yeah. And the psychic feedback from that being broken very much confirms to him that that was Brenda all along trying yeah. to finish him off. So yeah, Makalor is now probably not allied with Vay's warband. And then he passes out. And then he passes out. Yeah. yeah. At that moment, Quinn rounds the corner. He's tased Sophia down. Yeah. She's probably dealt with. His boss is chopping her legs off because yeah. he's a bit of a he's being chopped up. And um, what does he do? That's kind of the end of the scenario. Yeah. Right. So he basically just comes bursting round the corner. He takes a quick stop of the situation and his training kicks in. Zombies everywhere. Years gone by and he's looking for a target, something he can do. He's actually necromundian. He's used to like, you know, spook raids. Absolutely. He's raiding rooms. And he's got some choices of targets, right? There's zombies everywhere. There's some kind of floating psycho bubble. There's two inquisitors charging at each other, hitting each other. I mean, Brendak's very clearly a demon host by this point. Yeah. And evidently so, like... But he identifies the main target through yeah. the haze. And it's also important to bear in mind that this is a guy who was, you know, a consummate professional who's been given some orders, and his orders are to like trash the place and cause some havoc. So he sees, uh, sort of, through a, a door into another room. There's a big old vat um, of some ugly-looking chemical. Uh, so he switches his inferno pistol on and he takes a, a quick snapshot the one shot and it is just the one shot this is an inquisitor there's a lot more kind of combi weapons where you've got like oh i'm just gonna have this single shot with this piece of ammo so instead of being uh, is it a revolver typically uh Uh, stuff gun or something yeah so he's it's a it's a combi weapons it's like a a las pistol and right essentially like a sort of melter pistol yeah Yeah. so the melter shot yeah hits and it hits through the zombies yeah through a door into another room yeah Fucking like thousands of degrees through the glass. Yep. And, you know, mission accomplished. Except that when the glass shatters, um, it, it's really bad. It triggers a countdown, right? It triggers yeah. a countdown. Self disrupts the sequence. The, yeah. the room fills with green gas. So there's one piece of information that Vidco has just found out on that computer terminal, just as this is all coming to a point. Yeah. The green vials and the green, which is the same as clearly the green liquid that's yeah. in this container and the ones that's been filling these zombies, 
is a synthesized and modified version of Nurgle's rot. Yeah. Known as the Faith Virus. Yeah. By shooting the giant vat, what Quinn has done is rather than back like he did in the old days where you kick over the barrels of contraband wild snakes to prove a point, which is probably what his head he was doing. <laughs> uh, he's actually just unleashed what is potentially a world-ending amount of this virus into the atmosphere, into this facility. Yep. Um, Triggering a self-destruct countdown. Alert, alert. Viral contamination leak. Facility self-destruct sequence initiated. At this point, Brendak decides it's a really good idea to cause a big warp lightning storm. Yep. In order, because he is in a humetically sealed tube. Yep. But he currently can't get out. Yep. Because it's a vase on the floor. Yep. Because uh, one bit we forgot to leave out was that um, Herman just puts him on his ass again as he was trying oh, yeah, to Oh, yeah, he was charging through. through to get yeah. through the door, right? Yeah. And as at that moment, the melting um, shot goes over his head. Exactly. Um, within that melee, the zombies all over Brandak that have been knocked aside by Herman and then knocked aside by they and then knocked aside by Herman again. So the zombies are kind of clawing at us, but yeah. on the floor. Brandak's trapped, though, miles away from the exit. Storm of lightning, the zombies. But as we said earlier, full auto which is how you fire Storm of Lightning, is indiscriminate within 10 feet of you, 10 yards of you. Which means that the seven zombies, and Herman, and Vey, and Quinn, are all caught up in this psychic unleashing of desperate essentially energy. force lightning, yeah, yeah. desperate energy. It's, I, I, the way I envisioned it was, it's the same animation as uh, Pikachu. Yeah. It's just like, ah! and it just fires everywhere because in, in a rage, like in a, yeah. in a with a blood curdling kind of cry. Yeah. Um, so we've got all of the zombies basically pop. Yeah. Um, there's a cloud of gas coming from the room next to us. Herman m somehow, clad in just normal, presumably conductive metal, is not hit by this lightning explosion. No. Quinn, who's further away than him, is. He's yeah. knocked down and has stunned. and has an energy shield. And, yeah, and yeah, right. And still should, you know, should be okay. Rob was a bit salty about the fact that yeah, like, warp lightning is not an energy weapon. Yeah, because it's, it's a psychic weapon. It's lightning. I get it. But, you it's know, purple, it's, not blue. It was, so. Yeah, that's what it. That's what it comes down to. It though, was isn't demonic. It? Just, yeah. 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 Um, however, so Brandax freed themselves from the zombie assault. Yeah. And actually, Quinn is the only person between Brandak and the exit. So yeah. that's gone quite well. Yeah. Um, Flipnit in the midst of this hail of fire picks Macalore up off the floor yeah, sprints for the exit Isolde, um, Colin and Natalia sprint for the other exit Tyden is on the way up we killed all yeah. the Skatari we yeah. walked back out to the waiting plane that we have yeah. that's fine um, <laughs> they is caught in the head by so, a storm of lightning there by his own retinue member. So this is one of those lovely RP moments where something happens on the dice and you're like, I know why that happened, this makes sense. Yeah. Vey's willpower had dropped critically low. Yeah. Um, and all of the psychic interference was being run by Brendak. Yeah, and in theory that's how he was controlling Brendak, was psychically. Yes, because that's the only way you can keep a demon bound to your will. Yeah. This is actually out and out betrayal. Yeah. And it's predicated on the fact that 
and Brendak is hearing the conversations of Vidco and Vay and knows that Vidco has got in possession of the green vial, knows about the faith virus. Yeah. Vidco right now is much more crucial to Brendak's endgame because she will continue to experiment on him like he's a test subject. Yeah. Which could ultimately result in his freedom. Yeah. And um, that's the faith virus. So I think that's the first time we've name checked name check that whilst recording. Um, so it is a faith virus that Demeter Kabath has created. Um, so it turns out all of those okay, all of those zombies that we've killed and crushed are actually just completely innocent civilians who didn't die and weren't resurrected, but have been genetically modified by horrible viral science. Exactly, um, which so is just up Major Biologist Vit Relentia Vidco's street. Yeah, uh, she now has the faith virus. She now, um, the room is filling with a gas which doesn't affect her because she has uh, got advanced bionic lungs and is the literal uh, kind of archetype of the mechanic and designed to work in these yeah. environments. And I had a moment of complete fortuity with Lars Herman, whereby I built him using the bits from the Goliath gang and I was like, well, what kind of kit will he have him? And he's pretty, he's pretty pragmatic. He's in plate armour, he's got a normal non-powered hammer and a pistol with a single shot plasma pistol uh, attachment, um, which will come useful in a moment. And I was like, what other bit? A couple of grenades and yeah, he's, he's smart, he doesn't wear a helmet, but he'll probably have a gas mask. Yeah. So he put that on. He puts on his gas mask, <laughs> fires the plasma pistol shot over his shoulder, hits Brendak in the face, yeah. doing yeah. 20 damage, which if he weren't a demon host, would have just it's been only it pretty much no it yeah. didn't in the, it didn't in the head it because was, you it was, have it because you're a demon host it was something like that yeah so it hit you in the face and would have probably just out and out killed anybody else in the game yeah Brandak was just kind of fine in the next scenario but it was enough to put you down it's because it was because of regen yeah. yeah oh yeah sure so yeah. puts you down vase out on the floor in a cloud of gas yeah helmet shattered by lightning yeah. gas seeping in has he been like just left there by the rest of his yeah. team? At he's this unconscious. Point? Yeah. So Vidco like, and Brendak presumably just leave him. Well, there. Yeah. Well, Vidco, well, Vidco's already head for the door, right? Vidco's gone into the main laboratory chamber because she can breathe the gas. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess you could say she just doesn't breathe. Is probably the way yeah. that works. Yeah. Um, she uh, extracts all of the remaining data on the faith virus. Yeah. Her, the hypothesis originally posted to her by Vid that by Vay that the demonic could be weaponized is now confirmed. Yeah. The fact that Brendak was uh, is possessing this the form of this former acolyte through material means, i.e. extraction and experimentation, is a hypothesis that she is now duty bound as a member of the cult mechanicus to pursue. Yeah. They has uh, spent his purpose. Brendak has not. She's not the strongest person in the world. She can only carry one of them. Yep. And it's not going to be Inquisitor Vey. Yep. Makes sense. So Vey perishes. Dead. Dead. Sister Sophia? Dead. Herman? Gas mask gone. Herman, gas mask. Pick up <laughs> Quinn off the floor. Where's the nearest exit? Off we go. Yes. yes. And, so, Qu and Quinn then very much actually not dead. Yeah, follow, well, yeah, follow, you know, isn't going to go through a room of gas to leave, goes down the service tunnel exit where everyone else is barreled off to, yeah. presumably to do some eradicating uh, along the way. So there we go, that is scenario two, mission two. Um, 
there's a horrible Nurgle virus that's turning everyone into horrible, disgusting zombies that are very hard to kill. Uh, Alex's Inquisitor is dead. Yeah. Um, thank God, but the, the heavy bolter wielding psychopath from uh, Mike's Warband, Sister Sophia, is dead. And Macalor's devastated because he genuinely believes this is the Sister Sophia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He thinks died. that, you know, they've been, you know, together uh, for an extremely uh, uh, long amount of time. Now, before we left, um, Vidco, who, you know, is immune to gases and viruses and, you know, is a really good beacon for, like, 5G signal and all that kind of stuff, uh, managed to access a computer terminal before the complex explodes and gains the following information. In the 41st uh, millennium, the century came in, um, an attack on Petrograd by the Death Guard uh, during the Gothic War yielded an exciting research opportunity. A pure strain of the pathogen known as Nurgle's Rot had been secured. Exploration has begun of the possibility to modify the strain using the heart's radiation to create a means of regenerating deceased human flesh. Entry 641M41. The Faith virus has developed with impressive regenerative abilities, although it is unstable and has produced unexpected mutations amongst the test subjects. More research will be needed. Approval granted for the selection of prisoners, homeless and disabled amongst Petrograd population for further research at test subjects. Entry. I, I would like to just jump in here by saying that this is a nightmarish, horribly in fiction fascist world, so we fully yeah, acknowledge yeah. that. That's why we're here to kill them all. Yeah. Um, entry 012M42 The discovery that Blackstone Fortress can be used to manifest the power of the warp rather than simply nullify indicates that the temple can be used to dramatically magnify the heart's power. The heart will be transported back to the Blackstone Temple to begin attempts to reactivate it. So that research, presumably at this point we're assuming is Demeter Kaboth, we've still not yet, you know, we've not met the kind of arch nemesis of this particular campaign. We've heard him. We've heard him. Um, but that, uh, that basically means there's a virus, there's somebody who presumably has other bits of it, this might be the research facility, but we definitely haven't stopped it being released. Uh, we definitely haven't stopped it being militarized yet. Um, although it's all incinerated in a fire when it burns down. So the self-destructors at least contain the damage. So that was kind of mission accomplished for everybody. It was mission accomplished for everybody, but we've all left with very different uh, objectives going into game three. Apart from Lars Herman. Kill everybody. Yeah, and possibly Tyburn, who is still just chopping people's heads off. No, I think We have somebody specific to kill now. Yeah. But... And possibly after slightly we did different targets, maybe, than yeah. we had before. I think, I'm, I'm sorry, I meant that from the perspective of there's now been a split in what was the yeah. Macalor vein. Yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah, exactly. exactly. But that has changed right. massively, but for yeah. the allegiances for the guys who came there to kick stuff in and smash it up, they now have more specific things to kick in and smash up, yeah. um, and probably need to do a write-up, but it's more or less game on. Whereas you've now got a different warband leader with a completely different objective, and Macalor has now been betrayed by you, so that allegiance is shattered. Yes. Uh, which is. So, Vidco, in canon of the Depths of Mechanicus, has decided that uh, Dimitri Kaboth mm. is not going to have all the glory for the wonderful discoveries and the stabilisation of the Faith virus. That glory will belong, will belong to her, providing she can get her hands on the required technology and leave the planet with it. 
Yeah. So um, we're going to go away for a little break, uh, and then we're going to come back and talk to you about the final scenario, the heart of darkness. The Heart of Petrograd, Chapter 3, The Heart of Darkness. Following the destruction of the facility, Magos, Vitko and Brendark set off to track down Demeter Kaboth and the heart of Petrograd, deep within the hollow core of the planet, making use of a tectonic frag drill to bore down through the network of honeycomb tunnels that pepper Petrograd's crust. The injured Makalor directs his faithful servant Flipnit to also head to the planet's core before Kaboth can complete his plans to fully awaken the heart of Petrograd's Xanos orb and extract his revenge upon Brendark for his treachery. Herman and Tyburn closely pursue Makalor and Vidko, determined that they shall not complete whatever schemes they may be planning and to eradicate the heresy of the Adeptus Mechanicus once and for all. A vast vaulted chamber has been filled with Mechanicus equipment and machinery, with the Blackstone Temple at the centre. Atop the Blackstone sits the Heart of Petrograd, crackling and pulsing with increasing levels of warp energy as the Blackstone begins to amplify its power. So there we go, that was the kind of cold opening that George gave us. Yep. We've realised that some bad stuff is going down. So we've gone down into the catacombs, into the ruins of the lower levels of the world, into the drilling. There's a blackstone temple there. There's this big dude stood in the middle, Demeter Kaboth. Mm-hmm. Admech Big Bad. Admech Big Bad. Uh, just to recap, uh, Kaboth's research on, a, uh, on genetic pathogens has been instrumental in curing a number of warp, warp-born plagues and saving untold billions of lives during the Gothic War. Good man. Uh, his fanatical pursuit of the eternal motive force has led him to scour the Imperium to unlock the secrets of the ancient past, even if that would bring him, or sorry, brand him as a heretic. Ah, which unfortunately is it has. Uh, well, I mean, I, I feel like your your guys are quite cavalier with the, yeah. the heretic brand. Feel like that's thrown around. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, he's created zombies and tried to infect a population of yeah. fifty billion people. Yeah, I guess there's a, a certain autonomy. There's a line that you, you cross. I guess there's a certain autonomy. I mean, they have been capturing people off the street, particularly targeting the vulnerable and the weak. So he's a dick. Yes, at best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excommunicate dickus. Yeah, just. <laughs> um. So we switch back to Alex's uh, Necromunda uh, terrain for this one, having used the interior terrain for the second scenario. Um, the difference this time being we had a Blackstone temple in yeah. the middle of the board, uh, yeah, yeah, which yeah. conveniently, since Blackstone was created by the old ones, um, Games Watch have actually just have a Blackstone temple in the form of an old ones temple or the pyramid that the Seraphon use in Age of Sigma. Yeah, it's gone really well. It's gone super well. So there's just literally the thing that George had written in was then released as a scenery piece with yeah. the Seraphon book. And he was like, oh, I'll buy that then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I painted up a Seraphon temple to look like Blackstone and uh, painted the kind of swirly orb in the middle to kind of look like a Necron-y, Gorsi-type energy ball. Yeah. Yeah, and it works. And it worked. Yeah. Um, and um, smartly didn't glue the thing on top because some people at some point might want to stand 
on it on yeah. the platform or steal um, it or, or nick it yeah. nick it nick it um, so there we go um, so first up Macalor just kind of strolled up there's this big mech dude on top. How did you guys? I wasn't clear how you guys got down into the chamber. So Macklemore Vig, followed you. Vigo styled it out in a, in a in a drill train, effectively. Well, we we tracked you. Yeah. So Tyburn and um, uh, yeah, we literally followed the tunnel. So right. Tyburn and Herman had come on there, mm-hmm. and then signalled to there must have been some large enough service tunnel to bring whatever flight machine there like whatever their Arvis lighter or whatever it is so Natalia was waiting at a different ah, exit right. so they had a separate escape but the main warbands had pursued you along the tunnel got it um however had found his own way down there with Flitner okay. trying to cut you off so I, I'd, I'd have to ask Mike how how they'd arrived okay. so Mac we were we were coming from the same table edge but the opposite side as you yeah um and uh Macalor was coming in kind of from the opposite if you look oh, at photos of the table, we even built a little station for the drills to pull up, yeah. which was quite cool. Yeah, and it, we could have made use of it, and it didn't, didn't quite come to the fore. But but Macalor decided that you know he was just going to kind of stroll up. We got to deal with this guy. Bolt pistol out, just walks in. Mm-hmm. Old dude has seen some stuff before. Bolt pistol. Demeter Kaboth turned round. No one will interfere with this sacred act. With the heart, we will usher in a new destiny for mankind. I will not allow ignorant interlopers to deny my quest. Um, he shouts towards uh, uh, towards Macalor. Um, this is the you know this is this is why we're here. You know, Vidco and Brendark, they're not well as you've you've written. They're not that devastated by the the loss of uh, Vey, are they? They're here I, to steal the tech. I mean. Vidco is first and foremost a member of the Cult Mechanicus yeah. um, and a uh, forgot what they call themselves Organicist. Yeah. Um, Brendak is her test subject and the clearest route to the to proving the hypothesis. Vay yeah, has yeah, yeah. fulfilled his purpose. They don't care. They're they not bothered. don't care. Um, so then, basically, as Macalor steps forward, Kaboth just kind of shoots him. Yeah. Um, with a needle rifle with an implant hallucinogen needle rifle um, otherwise which, known as the party cannon the party cannon <laughs> if you haven't played Inquisitor or read the rule book do read the rule book um, there is a hallucinogen table um, and you roll a d10 it, it's, and it is detailed at that it is detailed yeah. uh, and uh, George rolled a 5 yeah. uh, so the result that was visited on Macalor was called I Can Fly. Yeah. The sky looks so big and inviting that the character flaps his arms trying to imitate a terror squirrel. He may do nothing in his next turn as he jumps up and down on the spot. If he is standing above ground level, which he is, he will throw himself off in a random direction. Roll for falling damage as normal. So, yeah. Uh, Macalor, having strolled up, believes he can fly and leaps off the platform. Can you edit in the R. Kelly song at this point? <laughs> there is a new Space Jam film out, so I mean, it's kind of culturally relevant again. Um, yeah, I believe I can fly. He jumps off, taking a flesh wound only, which is super. It wasn't lucky. a high ledge. It was. It was four. eight. It was eight yards up. Yeah, but it, it could have been a lot higher. It could have been worse, and the D3 part of the roll was a 1. Yeah, it was. And yeah. he 
just managed to land on something where he had at least a scrap of armor. Yeah. So he 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 took a flesh wound, um, and the drugs kind of gave him the bugs 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 effect, but he managed to shrug it off before he had another turn. Uh, and what's the point? Flipnit jumps up to be alongside yeah, and then to, watch his master to go and rescue and. and had Bugs 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 gone off then the character drops to the floor flailing and screaming as they try to sweep off imaginary insects yeah so it's probably best that that didn't happen because there were some non-imaginary insects yet to come um, so mine and Rob's warbands kind of moved towards the pyramid to deal with yeah. Uh, yeah. Kaboth uh, as did yours to steal stuff from Kabbalah. Yeah, so there are a few turns. We, we were lurking. We were, we were kind of very yeah. much. So my mission that I'd been given yeah. was to wait for the orb to be fully charged and then steal it. Yeah. Uh, and let. Uh, otherwise, I guess the secondary was just have the orb. Yeah. In whatever condition. Yeah. Uh, so we took the decision to allow Kaboth to. Basically, I think Bidco was like, Kaboth looks like he can handle himself. Let's see if he thins you out. Absolutely. So. Now, Colin uh, has got a taste for metal at this point, so the rest of my warband is advancing relatively quickly, but Colin is a dog and has been told to go and fetch. Yeah. And so he's sprinting towards him. He's the first one to kind of make it above the parapet other than Macalor, um, and just barks at him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Herman, show Herman is the next one to kind of catch up, and this was going to be a pretty epic moment, but of course there are heroic actions and risky actions in Inquisitor. Yeah. So... Herman uh, remembers seeing Sister Sophia go down on a lift firing a heavy bolter through kind of bleary eyes he goes oh lifts are handy to get a vantage point sprints along a gantry leaps from the gantry makes the distance across yeah. with his hammer raised over his head to just kind of crush Kaboth into the platform Indeed. and falls ever so slightly short just just a, just a smidge so Herman's leapt from a gantry towards a black stone pyramid with a swirling orb in the middle of it and a big kind of Doctor Octopus style evil metal yeah. villain and um, he's either going to fall like 30 feet to his death or he's got to let go of his hammer and grab on which something. he does and he manages to grab on passes his strength test and he's hanging on by one arm um, the hammer spins luckily directly below him yeah. not miles away which it the very easily could have been it's basically quite heavy yes goes directly down from him um tyburn and the others kind of rush forwards to help that um and um so the kind of in character response from kaboth to this assault uh failed assault the dropping of the hammer is he kind of clanks and struts his way over to the edge of the uh, the top of the pyramid, puts a metallic foot down on the bare hand of um, Herman and crushes it, saying we have in our grasp the opportunity to ascend. Which is a play on words actually when you think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, yeah. he's failed. Uh, Herman grimaces but somehow, as this metallic claw digs into his bare hands, holding onto the sharp edge of a black stone pyramid, he holds on and doesn't take any damage. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, he's a bit of a boss, isn't he? He isn't now but determined. I mean, he has been shot with a heavy bolter earlier today, yeah. or yesterday, right? So he's kind of fine. very effective in the um, And um, basically, Kaboth is charging up the orb in the middle of the temple, using the temple to refocus warp energy yeah. into this thing to 
essentially we think at this point the plan is to explode it and spread the virus over the whole population of the hive right yeah so what um what vidco has been doing in the backgrounds in the capacity of lurking in the shadows she's found a terminal in and she's shadows. yeah she well she actually's gone full emo yeah uh she's plugged into it and uh revealed obviously only in, in game terms only for her knowledge at that point that the Blackstone, uh, Kabotha found a way of rechanneling the energy, energies of the Blackstone to charge the orb. Yeah. Um, he believed that once the orb was fully charged, he could push the virus out across the entire planet and effectively heal everybody. So in his yeah. head, he's a massive hero. Oh yeah, saving um, even more billions of lives. Uh, yeah. Um, the reality, of course, is is, is somewhat uh, somewhat different. Yeah. Different. The ends don't quite justify the means on that one. And and the air around the heart of Petrograd is at this point kind of rippling, almost fluid. There's there's energy being pulled in. Yeah. Think like nineteen eighties movies, you're standing a bit too close to a portal and your flesh is sort of pulling towards it. So it's almost almost like a kind of black hole for energy absorbing everything. Yeah. Pulling all light in the yeah. air towards it. If you can imagine if that's a candle. Yeah. Who's the moth in the room that's going to be starting to drift towards that very slowly? Yeah, uh, so you got it. Um, Brendak, I mean, to be fair, all the Inquisitors are sprinting towards it, but Brendak is just kind of transfixed, right? Yeah. Floating towards this kind of orb it, of extreme, uh, extreme but power. It, the way it was described at the time was it, it becomes a gateway into the immaterial, which, as far as Brendak concerned, is probably home Holy freedom. dry, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I've, been, I've been a demon host for ages. That yeah, sucks. I'm, I'm bored of this horrible corpse. Absolutely. Jail. So as they're all kind of get hurt, you know, uh, Tyburn gets to the bottom of the steps, ready to sprint up and, and try and do some sword play uh, with Kaboth. But is he going to be on time? He's still, like, basically standing on Herman's feet. Herman draws his plasma pistol he's got one shot right yeah. gets it out with his free hand to be fair it's his off hand because he's caught on with his dominant hand um, fires it and it overheats I missed this by the way did you? yeah yeah. yeah. so he literally draws a manages to draw his plasma pistol while yeah. suspended off the sides of a pyramid with a, a robot standing on his hand yeah. with his other hand he draws a plasma pistol successfully and accurately fires it yeah. but instead of firing it overheats <laughs> So obviously that's not great, no. and he drops it. Yeah. So he's now dropped his pistol and his hammer, and again right. it goes directly down. And due to the uh, scatter gods, it literally is just eight feet below him Where the on, hammer on, is. on the yeah. floor. Kind of lands on the ham hammer. So instead, he punches the tech priest. Again, isn't wearing any armor on his hand. Just punches the tech priest in his metal legs. Yeah. And punches him in a surprisingly effective way. Like, punches him hard enough that Kaboth is knocked backwards on the platform yeah. and is no longer standing on him yeah. while he's still hanging on with one he, hand. He, he, he staggers back a yeah. bit. He does yeah. no damage at all, basically, in this entire game. But he really should be quite dead and isn't. And I was quite pleased with, with how that, that went. Um, well, well, what's going on with our, uh, our other casting characters so, uh, you'll, you'll notice this as we've lost Rob sadly he had to leave to, to make his train but, yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Um, well so Rob's character Ava at that point because Kaboth has staggered back she's made it to the top of the gantry that um, Herman had previously jumped off yeah. and she didn't have a clear line of sight because they're kind of wrestling with each other and you know Herman's trying to haul himself off the platform she doesn't want to take fire with the punch that staggers 
uh, Kabath backwards, she just opens fire with both auto pistols um, into him, um, but she completely misses. Yeah. Um, and Which is actually the first time Rob didn't roll hot on that for the for all three games, I think. Nah, she didn't do very much at all in the second scenario. You just remember. Because she ran out of ammo. No, it's not. You're just remembering that there was a headshot at the beginning. Oh, really? So, yeah. She, okay. she wasn't very lucky with shooting right, at all. Okay. Okay. Uh, she had a couple of good shots later in this game, but we won't say against uh, two. Okay, yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. Now, more missing in terms of gunfire from Rob's characters. Right, this is quite. This, this, is, actually, this, this is a big, big moment. moment, right? So, we've learned from the previous scenario that shooting bad things with energy weapons is kind of a bit of a win lose situation. Like, you destroy the thing, but actually, the thing is a horrible, poisonous gas, and maybe, you know. That was, you know, so Quinn did really well in, in ending the scenario, but did did kill quite a lot of the player characters and caused the collapse of the entire building. Yeah. So, you know, a good single shot. Um, and he's managed to reload the melter combi part of his uh, of his LAS weapon. Um, so there's one more melter shot to go. And Kabot's a big dude, and he's not very far away, and melter shots are, are pretty good against people made of metal. They're good against anything metal. Yes. Um, and uh, Quinn, Quinn misses. He does. Kaboth. He does. And it sails past Kaboth, but of course, there's a big energy sucking orb behind Kaboth. Yeah. And so I'm not quite sure Gold. cinematically whether the, the melter shot went straight into the heart of Petrogard or whether it was going past and kind of swung back around and I into like it. I like the idea that it got black hole in, so going a bit wide and then it just yeah. got drank. So, George, out of character, George, the games master, was keeping track each turn of rolls that Kaboth was making to increase the energy, the power within the heart. Yeah, and in the first round he rolled really low. Yeah, so we actually had some time. At this point, the melter shot went into it and basically like... Doubled his charge. Made it glowy, yeah, doubled the charge at that point. And George kind of said to us, yeah, I've been rolling low and that's just reversed that now. Uh, So you're gonna, you know, um, so we thought, what are we going to do? The, the orb is some, if, if you can imagine, glowing even brighter. What are we going to do? And what we're going to do is we're going to carry on shooting. Yeah. So as Alda makes it to the top of the gantry, she hits, because she's got a revolver. It's much easier to hit with single shots, it turns out. Um, hits him in the chest, and he flails out in response with the needle rifle. And he hits Ava, who's standing next to him, who's previously missed with her auto pistols. But she shrugs off. Uh, the effects of the toxin, uh, the hallucinogenic toxin, where Maclaw yeah, had failed. She so she yeah. was hit in the leg, and if she'd failed that toughness test, we'd have been another uh, actor down in trying to uh, deal with Demeter Kaboth. But she manages to kind of hold it together, shrug off the effects of the drugs coursing through her body, and, and kind of keep her eyes on the prize, um, which was quite cool. Brendark's getting closer and closer. And um, what, what we did there, just we used the awareness uh, role mechanic to full effect. So obviously, if Brenda, it, it, Brenda drifting towards this orb wouldn't have been as cinematic if everybody just turned around and shot him uh, straight yeah. away. So there were awareness tests being rolled, but sadly, everybody was too distracted by Kaboth. Yeah, and the distraction of Kaboth is exactly what happens next. Macalor is upset, reasonably. He thought he was a flying squirrel a minute ago. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. He's fallen very far and hurt his shoulder. He's an old man. This yeah. is not fair. Yeah, he's you know, not not playing ball. He's so he orders Flipnit, kill it. Yeah. Um, so Flipnit goes after him. He's pretty quick. He gets three actions, which is like the most that Flipnit's ever had all weekend. Yeah. Sprints, 
makes it like most of the way across the board, up the pyramid, just up the side of it. We've all been messing about with having to kind of leap to it, go around the side to use the steps. Flipner just scales it. He's, a, he's, he's, he's on it, he's doing it. He doesn't quite get into combat with Demeter Kavath. He doesn't quite make it there. So Inquisitor Executioner Oswald Tyburn does. He walks just up the steps yep. with his falchion, Terminus. It sings through the air. Kaboth parries it. He's forced backwards. The second swing, though, and this is, I think, what you missed earlier, cuts through his leg. Yeah. Severs his leg. Knocks him off the top of a pyramid. He slumps down sideways off the platform, lands on his head, yeah. breaks his neck, and Demeter Kaboth dies. Instantly. Instantly. Yeah. Well, and we kind of think, oh, job done. That, like, and it's Sunday morning, and it's like ten o'clock at this point. Yeah, and we're like, oh, we even started super early, listeners, because we were worried this was going to drag on a bit, and Kaboff was dead within an hour and a half. If and that, that and that that hour and a half, to be clear, was mostly us setting up the table. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was like reorganizing the terrain, having a bit of a chat about yesterday, setting up what our objectives were for the day before yeah. rolling any dice or yeah. figuring out the speed and probably the order. tenth dice roll of the game. Um, yeah. yeah, quite and possibly. Then, and then what that triggers is Vidco's been lurking. She has made crept towards the temple a little bit, but obviously the plan was let Kaboth thin them out and then basically she'll she'll swoop in at the end and um, chem throw her whoever's left and take the orb from their writhing dying hands yeah actually as it turns out um, the combination of a inquisitor executioner and, a, and an eradicator unit is quite effective she decides there's nothing more there's nothing there's no other option left sorry than to charge up the rear of the pyramid herself yeah and grab the orb despite the fact that it's not fully charged yeah just to make sure that she ultimately is the one who possesses it yeah uh, and that, and then at that point her plan is it, no one is getting this even if it's not fully charged I'm leaving the planet with it and I'll figure it out later yep she manages that yep she Gra- grabs the orb grabs the orb I had to roll a dice for that, which presumably means it could have gone horribly wrong. Well, George said afterwards, if, if you'd failed that dice, it would have just killed you with all of the power that was going to blow up a planet. Sure. I mean, I rolled quite high, if I remember it. Which is fortunate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she grabs the orb, Yeah. manages to hang on to it. We would assume that being somewhat machine made that a bit more probably probable yeah and it's been put um, in whatever status containment it is by another tech priest so like there'll be some interface like and she's been messing around on some terminals and maybe she's got a little bit of fancy she's gleaned inside. a bit of the info yeah, right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, she's currently stood there uh, <laughs> in front of a lord executioner and a uh, deranged uh, well, servitor uh, unit yeah um, and at this moment Herman because Kaboth is no longer standing on his feet and shouting yeah. maniacal insanity, yeah. just pulls himself up onto the platform. And I think probably, as you say, because there's a servitor with a chain axe and Tyburn with an executioner sword quite yeah. close. The thing you don't see coming is somebody who, I mean, she presumably doesn't even know Herman's there. It's she, just, it's a hand in the did. smoke. In, in that moment, it wasn't important who was there. It was important just to try and- But she wouldn't even see him. him. He's, no. he's like, 
his hand is below foot height because yeah, she's on she, the top she, pedestal. She, so Herman pulls himself up and literally kicks her in the chest. Yeah. And she's on the top of the platform. And if she didn't have mechanical, like, geostatic advanced, legs, advanced bionic implant, she yeah. would have fallen yeah. off the temple yeah. whilst and probably dropping the orb that would yeah. have killed us all yeah. again. Yeah. Um, so she manages to cling on for now. Um, which led to one of my favourite commands of the entire weekend, which is Danforth on a platform looking over it, and Izzy just kind of goes, "Fetch the ball, good boy." <laughs> so she's hacking into she's hacking into the computers to see what she can get. I've got a critical success. Yeah. So there's a load of info that we've yeah. got leading into that campaign. Turns out the password was password. <laughs> password one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Colin is going after the ball yeah. so that the hound is, is on the run now someone else has figured out that the orb isn't quite Where it needs ready to be. yeah so it's in the possession of the warband of choice but it's not ready to do what it's it was in, designed it's in, for it's in a pair of hands which is the most convenient pair of hands to him yes but it's not in his own hands, which yeah. is where it really should be long. So as you said before, patiently, slowly, lurkingly moving towards the platform has been, well, patiently, slowly, lurkingly moving towards things in Inquisitor has been effective in all three scenarios for different characters. Well, for, particularly for the Demon Host. Yeah. Well, yes, also yeah. for Danforth and for um, Natalia. Yeah, exactly. Basically everything they achieved was because there were big fighty men and they were using the actual scenario yeah. at the same time. Now, Brendark, no one kind of noticed the kind of robed figure floating towards the pyramid because they were fighting on a pyramid near a shining black hole type yeah, thing. Yeah, you, you were all having your your big sort of... Uh, it was handbags at dawn. Yeah, you were all having your big, uh, you know, um, kind of lightsaber moment on the yeah. on the top of the pyramid. And, and you kind Brenda, of got the greatest hits, right, with Brendak. It's like, well, you know, what are, what are we going to do next? And you're yeah. like, oh, well, this worked pretty well. Brendak figured that warp lightning in the big group um, scenario earlier was quite effective. Yeah. He's also did genuinely witness uh, Tombstone's melter shot charge up the orb. Yeah. So he thought, I can summon warp lightning. This will probably knock some people off the temple. Win -win. Also, potentially charge the orb. Which is what I want. Which is what I want. This, this is a win-win. I'm going to concentrate and do that. Yep. And my word, did he do that? Yes. The concentrating made a difference, whereas before it was kind of lashing out in a zombie apocalypse. The concentrate probably meant the, the power was successful. Yeah. Which um, is huge, as you'll find out in a minute. Yeah. Um, so. Storm of lightning. Storm of lightning happens. Uh, it physically unloads. It blows up uh, Tyburn's servo skull, which is good because that's what that was there for, presumably. Yeah. Uh, it zaps uh, Flipnit in the leg. It doesn't do too much. It does no it, damage. And yeah. if anything, for the rest of the scenario, Flipnit seemed to roll more action. So it's kind of like you've woken up. You're now franchised him. Yeah. yeah, he's a servitor. He was just a bit low on juice. Crucially, what does happen, and the dice did genuinely say this, it yeah. hit Vidco in the arm, which is yeah. precisely the arm that was holding the orb. Yeah, a metal arm that yeah. is a conductor yeah. to the orb. Um, um, and it did a lot of damage to Vidco's arm, yeah. which means there was a lot of charge there, yeah. which meant that when the dice was rolled to see how many charge points were rolled, it was exactly the number required to, to fully charge it. Yeah. That and it, orb, it arced from that, knocking Herman out. 
but luckily this time not off the platform. So uh, Herm, it, yeah, it, Herm is it, electrocuted in the head and just lies down next to the yeah, fully charged glowing orb. That's why he was stunned for two turns, wasn't he? One yeah. turn, something like that. And stunned for two turns, you think, right, it's all about to kick off. He's going to get involved again. Yeah. We shall see. Yes. Um, the so, orb then does what the orb was intended to do and unleashes the power of the warp into the room. Yeah. However, due to there being a demon vessel a demonic vessel that was I, I think it's fair to say in canon somewhat chanting and preparing itself to receive said power yeah and there's a direct physical link through the, uh, the, the through the lightning uh, um, polarities the warp charge energy which we later found out actually would have killed everybody in the room yes went into the demon post freeing him of the shackles of his fleshy prison and lone Stood and then stood there in all of its glory uh, as the uh, the the maggot carrion caller yeah was Brendak manifested and the orb Turned returned off. to zero yeah now intact intact but just off but off and you might think well this is a really good moment to have someone like Flipnit standing next to you yeah massive servitor whirling chain axe no one will be too sad if they die fighting the demon as long as they do some damage fantastic time. or even if you took Vico's head off her yeah shoulders. like great good yeah. time to have you but unfortunately of course they're very straightforward servitors and they've been told to kill him him specifically being uh uh Kaboth. Kaboth who he hadn't actually seen die, he'd just seen him fall. From the temple. So instead of going after the summoned literal demon, Flipnit leapt off the pyramid and started going about Kabot's dead body <laughs> with a chain axe. And I imagine for those who were actually conscious on top of the pyramid, there was a kind of... Collective... Oh, God damn it. Oh, man. Um, so that was kind of fun. Uh, again, Vidco was nearly knocked off the platform and those... Uh, there bionic were several, legs yeah there were several oh, yeah. rounds of combat um, actually Tyburn took a swing at her she parried one of them and the other one very yeah. fortuitously bounced off her armour and she was knocked back yep uh, and she kind of just used the knockbacks to steadily kind of get down the stairs yeah um, and uh, as she was coming down the stairs once Tyburn got to the edge of the pyramid and saw the demon yeah uh, Vitko called up and said despite what you might think we are in this together Inquisitor and then sprinted for cover yeah which basically at that point we were like well we could go after that but also we're all about to be killed by this horrible Nurgle slug demon yeah so I mean we can go kind of round by round but I think to sum up what kind of happens next there's some cool stuff that happens that Red Brendart does but for the Inquisitor's perspective those of us who were conscious aimed and shot at Brendak in game, for quite a long time. In game, Brendak is obviously a demon of Nurgle. He has got the re regenerate ability that yeah. effectively meant that all damage that um, player characters were doing to it during any round would. But he basically fully healed. Yeah. Uh, so it became very clear that you were going to have to work together, and you had to cleanly take him out in yeah. a single round. Otherwise, so at this point, everybody apart from Colin who had been told to fetch the ball and was, and was chasing Vidco away yeah, yeah. and made some ground as well. You had a big head start. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Colin with fewer actions, but is a dog and is fast. Yeah. Just about keeping pace with the mechanical legs for now. Um, and it was another big heroic moment for Makalor. 
It was. Really? So there was one uh, thing that did happen nice. to keep Flipnip distracted, which was important to Brenda. I think after you first took damage. Yeah, so, so Macalor brings his bolt pistol to bear, and we see that. Oh, sorry, Macalor, I thought yeah, it was yeah, no, 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 Macalor. Yeah, so Macalor yeah. opens fire with his bolt pistol, and like bolt, bolt weapons hit hard. So yeah. again, this like wizened old man who's been thinking he's a squirrel and jumping off stuff, and really not had much like active effect in any of the games. He's yeah. been not a passenger, but doing his own thing, and like, you know, that's yeah. how Macalor operates in world. He gets out a bolt pistol and unloads it into this big slug demon and does like a lot of damage. Like, he does a lot of damage. Stuns it, knocks it prone. He didn't but stun it at that point. He did. You have regenerate, so you took it off. The stun effect should have come into place from the abdominal hit, but because of regenerate, oh, it it's ignored before yeah, you have yeah, a turn yeah, yeah, yeah. the way that and the, the sequencing works. Well. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of damage goes into this slug demon, initially from Macalor, um, and it's just healed up again. Yeah. At which point, Brendark goes even more full Psyker. Yeah. And issues the custom-written power for uh, for Brendark Carrion Caller called Carrion Caller. Yep. Which, as the name suggests, allows him to reanimate the corpses of the dead. And you need a dead body. And we've just provided you with one. A In big, stabby, gribbly. metal octopus gribbly. Yeah. So that was fun. It was fun. Demeter Kaboth, who we've just seconds ago, literally 30 seconds in and, game and, time, and it, celebrated it, the death of the big bad of the campaign, stands up. And in a full circle uh, parody of irony. Yeah. Because he was obviously trying to unleash a world weapon to cure death, effectively yep. in his own head. Is resurrected. By uh, a, a demon of Nurgle, yeah. and therefore starts to attack Flipnit. The beauty of that in game was <laughs> Flipnit believes quite rightly that Kaboth wasn't actually dead, so and he had to just their mission off. was to just hack at them with a chain axe, yeah. which kept the big horrible murder servitor away from Brendak. Yeah, fighting the other big horrible murder servitor. Indeed. Yeah. So that was a nice kind of clangy distraction that was going on over yeah. there. Cool cinematic moment. Very cool cinematic moment. Um, Natalia, who's been mostly absent from this game, has just kind of cleaned up. She's picked up Herman's hammer. She strolls up to the top of the pyramid and lays it on his unconscious form, thinking he'll need this in a minute. Strolls to the edge, fires her revolver into Brendak, does quite a lot of damage. Ava fires into Brendak does quite a lot of damage. Macalor fires into Brendak, does quite a lot of damage, and Brendak regenerates all of it. Yeah. And we go, oh. Yeah. And Flipnit hacks off the head of Kaboth. But Kaboth is dead, so that doesn't matter. No. So now you've got to hack off its limbs, and yeah. it's still under kind of puppet control. So what George did very well with Carrion Call was to word it in such a way that the only way you... you that you stop the carrion reanimating corpses either by literally pulverizing it, like yeah. literally, or stunning or killing the demon that's enacted the that enacted the power. Yeah. Which in the next turn, we were amazed, is what happens. Macalor has got four shot five shots left in his bolt mag. Yeah. He misses. He takes aim. Takes aim, misses. Yeah. Misses hits in the abdomen massive damage Stunts. hits in the abdomen massive damage stuns yeah. 
carrion stops working. Yeah. Kaboth collapses to the ground. Brendak, maggot demon of Nurgle, keels over, stunned, yeah. but not out, has regenerate. Yeah. We have to kill it in one it's turn. It's mortal combat. It's Pretty like, assume. if you get up, we're dead. Yeah. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. He's we're dead. climb up the side of the temple. Tyburn rushes down the stairs with his falchion, yeah. terminus in hand, and just kills him. It was a bit more cinematic than that. It he, was. He put a critical blow on Brendak, which I then critically parried, and yep. got a counter-attack. Which is exactly the same as he had against Kaboth. Yeah. 40 seconds earlier? Yeah. I First think. one parries, second one. So his like riposte is amazing. Yeah. Like his second strike is like what you gotta watch out for. Yeah. Uh, he critically parried it. Brendan yeah. got a strike back, but a half weapon skill because he was stunned, which was again vital. Which misses him because otherwise you're being hit by a demon of Nurgle. With um, which is bad news. Yeah. With corruptor. Yeah. And loads so take of more damage. More damage. More I mean, damage. It, more even damage. even in power on the Tyburn was gonna be in trouble. Yeah. Um, he dodges it and he he dodges he, no he doesn't dodge it he parries it crucially okay. it allows him to then strike again he has furious assault which is why he can strike again sure and also the falchion's got reach isn't it yeah I, either way he, he avoids the damage and the second hit hits the abdomen so you've got on a percentage dice right leg left leg groin right arm left arm abdomen chest head there are eight locations that you can hit yeah. and you've got out of a hundred and it hits the one that's already been hit by Makalor. and the way that you go out of action is by taking severe damage to a single location in one round effectively yeah. Yeah. so the falchion is 3d10 damage yeah. he, plus his strength modifier I think he took 19 or 20 damage in one hit. hit and you're like base uh, injury like consciousness value it, was... it, it spiked into the very top level I had to roll system shock tests the result that Brendak needed to not be banished was 83. Yeah. The result of the dice was 84. Yep. It was just enough. Banishing the demon. Inquisitor, Executioner, Oswald Tyburn yep. had... Uh, Quite possibly soon to be Lord Inquisitor. Uh, I mean, he, he's got a promotion in the pipework, I would have thought. You would think so. Had just single-handedly uh, killed in one fair swoop in both in about a minute yeah and to be really clear listener that's not because Rob has built a bent character that is not what happened it's luck and being the last hit it was just genuinely phenomenal dice rolling yeah the falchion is a very good weapon but you have to hit you have to hit four attacks two of them have been parried yeah and parrying is actually genuinely quite it's actually shockingly easy to parry for the first attack certainly yeah yeah. Um, um and there it is, they're down. Now, the little footnotes start to come into this game. Petrograd is saved. The yeah. demon is dead. Yeah. Kaboth is dead. Yeah. The virus hasn't been released into the atmosphere. And we haven't all died. So that's good. Yeah. Vidco escapes with the orb. So the biggest tragedy of the whole thing is that poor Colin, having been told he's a good boy and to fetch the ball, has failed to do that. He will never fetch the he's ball. He's now having an existential crisis over whether or not he really is 
deserving of the title good boy. So Vidco, Vidco has escaped possibly to be the uh, arch baddie of the next campaign and George gave us this really awesome uh, epilogue. The archgenitor Demeter Cabot's plan to ignite the ancient Xenos artifact, the Heart of Petrograd, backfired as the demon host Brendark Carriancaller absorbed the power of the Immaterium to shed his mortal cage and unveil his full demonic power. Only the heroism of Inquisitors Maclaw, Herman and Tyburn saw the banishment of the beast back into the warp. The Heart of Petrograd, however, was seized by the Tech Magos Vidco, who has disappeared. Macalor inclines his head towards Herman and Tyburn, who reluctantly nod their heads slightly before Macalor beats a retreat with his faithful servitor assistant towards destinations unknown. Tyburn and Herman share a firm arm grasp before heading back to the surface. Petrograd's secrets have been unveiled and a new and terrible threat to the galaxy has been identified. The orb and the heretic Bidco must be located and the temple at the core of Petrograd destroyed. But it is the only one, or are there similar weapons, across the galaxy? Herman contacts Saturn to report on the events of Petrograd, whilst Tyburn sets off to the Segmentum Solar to begin the search for Vidco. Two vials of the Faith Virus have also been extracted. So there we are. We've saved the world? But for now, now, now lots more worlds are in more direct danger. Yeah. Kind of hollow, um, but mega exciting. Uh, phenomenally exciting. Um, an amazing opportunity for me because two thirds of my war band died. <laughs> uh, an amazing opportunity, says Alex, but, which tells you a lot about you as a player. Um, but two thirds of my war band died to... Um, to leave the other one third, i.e. Relenza Vidco, to become the big bad and also a much more well-rounded and interesting character, which from an RP point of view is amazing. Absolutely. Um, and I think for you guys, the big takeaway, um, but for you, for yourself and for Rob, all of your characters are alive. They now have established backstories and interconnectivity, which is phenomenal. Yeah. Sister Sophia is dead, which actually is weirdly to the benefit of Macalor, not that he's going to believe that. Uh, but it gives Mike a cool opportunity to add maybe a new name into yeah 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 bring in bring band. in a modern character or, or to actually just allow the pirate family to send forth one of their other daughters and yeah the lariats um, and allow Macalor to believe that uh, Sister Sophia actually survived all along yeah so there we go and kind of the the upshot from our first ever weekend of Inquisitor in twenty eight mil scale me Mike and George's first Inquisitor weekend since two thousand and eleven ten years ago. And even then, it was 10 years since Inquisitor had first come out. Rob and I first discussed playing Inquisitor together in 2010 when we were housemates in Exeter. You and I talked about it pretty much as soon as we met and started playing Warhammer, what, seven years ago? Yeah, 2013-ish. Like, yeah. yeah, so this has been in the making a long time. And basically, George said at the end of the weekend, he's like, cool, that's weekend one of four that I've already written and have planned. Yeah, um, we can't wait. It and is. like... It's still hands down one of the best rule sets that uh, Games Workshop as a business have ever produced. Specifically, Absolutely. specifically uh, Gav Thorpe. Yeah, uh, who and Jarvis and, and John Blanche's like yeah. the the concepts in the game 
are what make the Warhammer 40,000 universe yeah. so massively exciting. Uh, we also actually need to say a shout out to Gab as well because he has very kindly been um, following us on Twitter all weekend. <laughs> We've been pestering him with tags. I mean, we did pester him, <laughs> but thank you, Gab, for uh, humouring us. Uh, it's actually uh, a real honour to have you follow a, follow along. And, yeah. Uh, uh, and. Uh, you know, we hope to, to get you hooked again as well as amongst oh, our other listeners. Yeah. So, such an exciting, exciting game. It's the conversion like, opportunity, it's the modeling opportunity, it's the backstory writing opportunity, and also all of that. And it's also just a really bloody good game. Yeah, and like the, the ease with which, as a group, and you need a GM, and Jervis was right about that, that you can then like tell a story, and ha- it's just so open ended, it's so sandbox. And you can do whatever you want with it. Um, as part of that shout out, so thanks obviously to the guys who 20 years ago were writing for the Games Workshop studio when this first came out. I'd also like to again say thank you, uh, as I have already on Twitter, to um, Roby, uh, Precinct Omega, and Dave, Marco Skull on the Conclave Forum, mm-hmm. um, which I don't even know. I think it's still active. It certainly was when there was an Inquisitor event at the LGT uh, in I 2018. I read it the weekend and it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, thank you so much uh, for all the input. We were using stuff that you know I, I have on PDFs on computers that I haven't used for 10 years. So we had the NPC rules, the experience rules, uh, the living rulebook stuff. Um, and the amazing, amazing kind of summary sheets, quick reference sheets. So thanks so oh, much for the community over 20 years who've like, th- this game hasn't been sold by Games Workshop for what, 17 out of those 20 years? And like, there's still enough information to play it online. Obviously having a physical rule book's lovely. Um, and I guess the biggest thanks of all is um, obviously to the players for coming and people putting so much heart and soul into their warbands and being willing to talk to the podcast about that process, but to George for actually writing it and making it happen. Yeah, because we've, uh, we've yeah. talked for a long time about doing it and, and the very done it. And the very real uh, faith virus, if you like. Um, <laughs> Covid giving us the time to actually uh, write something. Yeah, and but also he's um, written it and then carried on pushing it and delivered it uh, yeah and um, that with setbacks like we, this has been rearranged exactly. three times yeah exactly uh, um, and we've absolutely bloody loved it and I love this game for the same reasons I love D&D so yeah so there we go uh, thank you for listening um, if you want to know more about Inquisitor we've been having a bit more Twitter interaction than we're used to on this account so do post any questions you might have um, under any of the thread really and we'll get back to you um Final shout out as ever to Jay Channer uh, for the music um, and thanks to my four co-hosts this this week, which has been great, uh, really enjoyable. And we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. So, the servitor, had you not just immediately killed him, would have told you basically everything you need to know about Kaboth and his evil schemes. Why, why, would, he, why would he betray Kaboth? Because so he's so, because he's programmed to basically just tell his master how great he is all the time. Ah, uh, okay. Oh. So if we hadn't killed the servitor, we would have found it a lot easier to do anything. Yes. Yeah. And then maybe know not to shoot the glass tank of murder. Hmm. Yeah.
it's fine. Um, also, I mean, that, that gas weapon is like, I mean, it was contained within the facility, so it's not like the whole factos got gassed, which yeah. is probably good, because had the heart of Petrograd gone off, that is what would have happened. Yeah, so we have to blow up the planet, and that's fine. Yeah, you would have had to have exterminated the planet, but you don't. Hooray! Oh, <laughs> I think the planet has just exterminated itself. <laughs>